2: and thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic, political talk, part of the conservative conversation. And wow, what a hell of a week uh, that we've had since the last time uh, that we've been on the show. Oh, my gosh, wow. Um, Racist, 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 racist is the word of the day. And we're going to talk about are the congressional Democrats a danger uh, to America? I uh, do see some folks in the line. Just push the one on your number dial. I will get you into the show. Uh, We've got plenty of articles to go through tonight, discussion. It is a three-hour program. And uh, if you are new to the show, uh, just, uh, again, put the one, push the one on your number dial, and I will get you into the show. And all the shows are archived. So if you came through the link, uh, you are welcome to uh, share the link uh, with folks to uh, get the word out to people. Uh, for the podcast, you can also uh, find it uh, on iTunes and there's also some podcast apps in which uh you can find uh the show as well and i'm going to look at uh, compiling a list of those uh as well uh to to get that and i, and I don't mean just uh, the the danger of the congressional democrats to, to america not only because of the rhetoric uh that they have with you know, racist 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 um what i was saying uh on facebook you know earlier today is you know i think that if they keep this up you know, white people are just like, look, we're tired of it. I mean, because the students it's going to be like, if you're white, just automatically going to be designated as a racist just because you're not uh, colored or some type of minority. So you're automatically going to be uh, branded as a as a racist. I mean, but you know what? 2020 is still far away. It's over a year away. Yes, we're in the 2020 election. But you know what? Keep it up. I know what what we're seeing is maddening. Um, and I tell you what, social media has become so hateful anymore. It's unbelievable how hateful it's become. Uh, I mean I used to do political debates with people, but I mean it's it's just so venomous anymore. It, it's, it's hard not to just walk away from it. Um, but we're going to be uh, talking about those things tonight, um, which is going to be uh, an article. Again, you can find the articles uh, from tonight's show uh, and others uh, on the website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com go to the Bard's Logic newsroom, and you can find that. And uh, some of the topics we'll be discussing is uh, Ilhan Omar's silence uh, of her previous marriage, which some contend she used to skirt immigration laws. Uh, we'll also talk about Rashida Tlaib's connection with anti-Israel activists. And also AOC fanning the flames, as I brought up earlier, uh racist rhetoric even against members of her own party. Uh, and we'll also talk about tonight's... Uh, yeah, you know, separate topic, but definitely within are the Congressional Democrats a danger uh to America. It's why winning uh the second space race is important. We'll be talking about that as well tonight. Um and so let's go ahead and get the callers in. Uh let's go ahead and uh uh five nine five four I think this may be Dr. Colbert. Thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight?
3: I'm doing well, uh, and I really appreciate it. You know, it's so funny back in We wrote articles about Al Green And the Muslim Brotherhood And the black movement And other issues And then all of a sudden You're looking at three years later Where he is forcing A bill of impeachment Based on racism And yet his racism Is based on his own background And his tie-in To the Muslim Brotherhood and yet no one is bringing up the subject of individuals of these four ladies, and they're putting a racist issue on people who are Muslims who are unconstitutionally not even allowed uh, under the Constitution to be in the position they're in, and yet we're seeing. So what I was doing today is I went through the last four or five years on articles, And I looked at everything we had written and how it related to what Trump is going through today. And yet everything that Green did or Obama did or any of the other candidates did uh, or senators or representatives, no one even brings it up. And what the press is doing, they're undermining the United States Constitution. They're undermining the republic. Uh, they're trying to make it a democracy. They're trying to change the direction. Uh, when we look at the Jesuits, we look at the uh, the uh, Federal Reserves, we look at the fact in 1871, we became a corporation. Uh, we look at the breakdown of what is happening and how Thomas Jefferson predicted I just thought – and I sent you all these emails today with a reason because it's really going to cover a whole scope of conversation. So I just wanted to open this up with that what you go back and look at, the four people who are not representing the U.S. Constitution, the fact that you have representatives that unconstitutionally are not supporting the Constitution – The fact that the Constitution got changed under the corporation and was committed treason by Congress and how the Democrats and Republicans are allowing this to take place and how the president has not even been briefed on the fact that he should be taking a stand against anyone that stands for the Muslims, the Muslim Brotherhood. And that anyone that goes against the U.S. Constitution and the amendments of the Constitution. So, I know you got a long way to go in the show, and I just wanted to give you two or three minutes of that before you proceeded with the rest of the show, Robert.
2: Oh no, appreciate it. Of course, we'll uh, keep your uh, line open. We also have an update. I'm not going to um, uh, to bring it up. I'll let uh, one of our callers uh, bring in uh, a success. I believe uh, from last week, uh, we'll definitely, uh, you know, get her to do that. And so, but first I do have a, an article uh, that, you know, we kind of want to expose these folks to. And so the first article um, I want to get to, uh, and again, you can find these on the uh, Bards Lodge Club Talk website on the, the page, uh, the newsroom page is uh, after I get this, I'll get the other uh, callers in. It says, and this a lot of people may or may not know about this, um, but this is uh, actually an article from back in June. But it is starting to, you know, more things come to the fore as we look to expose these folks. Uh, and it says new documents revisit questions about rep, uh, Representative uh, Ilhan Omar's marriage history. Although she has legally corrected the discrepancy, she has declined to say anything about how or why it happened. Now, of course, with the Democrats and how they love to do investigations. Perhaps this is something that they can uh, do an investigation on, uh, and you know, waste maybe more of our money. But um, who knows? Maybe they need to look at themselves. It says a state probe of campaign finance violations showed that Representative Ilan Omar filed federal taxes in 2014 and 2015 with her current husband, Ashmed Hirsi, while legally married to but separated from Ahmed Nur Said Almi. Uh, new investigation documents released by a state agency have given fresh life to lingering questions about the marital history of Representative Island Omar and whether she was once married a man, possibly her own brother, to skirt immigration laws. Omar has denied these allegations in the past, dismissing them as baseless rumors first raised in an online Somali politics forum and championed by conservative bloggers during her 2016 campaign for the Minnesota House. But she said little then or since about Amid Nur Said Elmi, the former husband who swept into her life in 2009 before a 2011 separation. Uh, the questions surfaced again this month, in a state probe of campaign finance violations showing that Omar filed federal taxes in 2014 and 2015. See, they want to look at Trump's taxes, but I doubt they're going to want to look into this. Filed federal taxes in 2014 and 2015 with her current husband, Hamed Hirsi, while she was legal, still legally married to but separated from Almi. Although she has legally corrected the discrepancy, she has declined to say anything about how or why it happened. The new documents also detail Omar's campaign efforts to keep the story of her marriage to Almi out of the press, arguing that detailed coverage would legitimize the accusations, and that's of him being her brother, and invade her privacy. Uh, Since the recent findings of the campaign finance board that discovered Omar had improperly used campaign money money, to pay a lawyer to fix her tax filings, the Star Tribune researched, researched public records, including available databases, the marriage and divorce filings, business licenses, university records, and other documents. And it could find little publicly, little publicly available information about Elmi. The search of records could neither conclusively confirm nor rebut the allegation that he is Omar's sibling. Sent a list of questions and a request to talk to her siblings and father, Omar declined to do so. Percy did not reply to multiple calls, texts, and emails. Social media posts indicate Elmi is in Africa. He did not respond to multiple emails. Omar's uh, reticence and consistent, is consistent with near-total silence she has maintained for three years amid questions raid through public records picked over by conservative opinion journalists intent on proving that she committed immigration fraud. Those attacks, she once tweeted, are the province of fake journalists on bigoted blogs. So I guess we're we're bigots now, but anyway, that, that was, it wasn't was going to take long for that to come. We're racist, but anyway. Omar's spokesman, Jeremy Slavin issued a statement Friday, and this is again, not this past Friday, but some time ago, asserting that the questions about her life are illegitimate. Since before she was elected, and then blah, 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 we're not going to go over his quote. Um, okay. Says the And you can read more of the quote you know, on the newsroom page on the Bard's logic website. It says, the questions have never, nevertheless persisted as a political threat over the years while the former war refugee from Somalia made history being elected to Minnesota's house and then winning a seat in Congress. Her first ascent as a national first uh, – as the nation's first Somali-American won her global pride, blah, blah, blah. And so we'll go down. You can read more of that. It goes um, – let's see. More to the meat of what we're talking about. It says, it's really strange, right, to prove a negative, she told in SMR. Uh, the Star Tribune, in an interview in October before she was elected to Congress, as for Elmi, she said, if someone was asking me, do I have a brother of that name? I don't. If someone was asking, are there court documents that are false? There is no truth to that. <clears throat> Uh, Represented of alone Omar and her husband Ahmed Hersi with their children in January. Omar's spokesman said, by the way." Says beyond denying the provocative allegations that Almi is her brother, Omar has shed little light on her married life, which began in 2002 when she wed Hershey- or Hersey or Hersi in their Muslim faith tradition. The Star Tribune has sought to authenticate some of the most egregious allegations. using public records and available social media posts, which make up the bulk of the case against her. Some of the original social media accounts linking Elmi to Omar after their split in 2011 appear to have been removed, and documents verifying the family relationship of refugees from war-torn countries with limited government record-keeping are notoriously hard to obtain, even by U.S. immigration authorities. So it's it's hard to get records on any of this, on any of her families. and I've seen some things in the, uh, in, the in the chat, but I'll, I'll be able to get to those in a little bit. Uh, Omar – okay, said, again, Omar declined to make her tax and immigration records available for this report. Uh, what is known is that Omar, at the age of 19, saw a legal marriage license with Hersey in Minnesota. Though they had three children together, they were not legally married. Uh, not legally married until January 2018 after she had been in the Minnesota legislature for a year and had dissolved the marriage in two thousand seventeen with Elmi or Elmi. After reaching what Omar called an impasse in our life together, she and Hershey split for a period in two thousand eight. They had two children at the time. In February two thousand nine, uh, public records show that Omar legally married Elmy, who she identified as a British citizen. The brief relate the relationship was brief. And Omar said it ended in 2011 when she reconciled with Hersey. Uh, She gave birth to their third child the following June. She identified Hersey as the father. While Omar said she and Elmi were divorced in 2011 in our faith tradition, they would not legally divorce until December of 2017, a month before she legally got married to Hersey. It says – let's see pretty extensive <laughs> uh extensive article. Um, but anyway, so, you know, you can read more on that. You know, I don't want to spend the whole time reading articles, but basically, um, where it's showing how quiet they are and, and there's speculation. If anyone's got any more information on that, um, you know, it is, you know, good to get this stuff out because, you know, if she wants to talk about all this immigration and then she did, you know, Mary get, you know, use this marriage again here illegally than you're know, scared of immigration laws. And that's definitely something, as I said earlier, uh, bars to be uh, investigated. So, uh, Dr. Tober, I mean, have you heard anything on this or, or read anything uh, to the effort that, you know, of course it's, it's quiet now. You don't hear anybody saying about it. But I guess a lot of people aren't bringing it up now because they're afraid, it, you know, they'll sound racist.
3: Well, that's exactly the problem. That's why I wanted to bring up Al Green and I wanted to bring up the fact of the tradition of normal Muslims' uh, belief system and how they work within a system and the articles that we've written, which were sent to the president last year and how we covered all this and that the press is actually playing down everything that you're just reading. So what we're doing is we're going back in and posting articles on all the news media showing... That this has been an ongoing issue in the United States, and how that Thomas Jefferson and other members have said, if you allow the Muslims in the system, now people are going to say what she's saying. If I use the word Muslims as a as an issue, it becomes a uh, issue of um, racism or of religious uh, issues, where in fact. It's not. It is actually a breach of the Constitution, and that it is already predetermined that certain individuals in the United States government would cause the destruction of the Constitution. Now, when Trump brings up the issue of people are not following the Constitution or that if they don't like America, they should leave, then they put it on the four ladies who are claiming the fact of their identity by race, creed, color, or religion, rather than the fact of their association with the United States Constitution. It's an unfortunate factor that we have to filter on how we say things if we're standing on the side of the president and not as a Republican or a Democrat whereas everybody who is not on the side of the president can make racist remarks against the president. So they're now calling him a white supremacist. Why isn't that racist? Is it not racist itself? So why would you be classifying him as a white supremacist when you're not looking at the fact that Muslims are now a mixture of the black brotherhood? Am I being racist against the black brotherhood because of African-America? Or am I tying it into the fact that these are now part of the Muslims and the Muslim brotherhood? So people can take the terminology that I'm using a word of a white or a black or a Spanish, and they can make a racism item out of it rather than the fact it's a tie-in to Mohammed. And if we tie Muhammad into the fact of the Catholic Church, now they're going to sit there and say, well, now I am against the Christian churches, whereas, no, I am not for the Catholic Church because the Pope is now bowing down and kissing the ring of the Muslims. And so that does not make me anti-Christian as a pastor. When I sit there and talk about Black Brotherhood, I'm not talking about, the black African-American people. I'm not talking about the slavery. I'm talking about a group of individuals who have associated, identified themselves with the Muslim Brotherhood and the fact that this entire group of individuals was formed in England. It was not formed in the United States. It was formed for the destruction and the restructure of socialism and the retakeover of the United States, and the lack of fact that we did not impeach Obama for the funds that he gave to CAIR car, or the fact that they, we supported Iran, or the fact that we supported and funded and gave grants to groups of individuals. None of the press is bringing any of this out. So now you have these, this lady that is, uh, is it relevant who she married? No. Is it relevant that she broke the laws? Yes. Uh, there are groups of individuals in the days of old. You married your brother. We can go back to Adam and Eve. We can go back to the four, the three, the two brothers. We can go back that that was a natural instinct to do. And the religion under the Muslims would allow that to happen. Uh, but unfortunately, the Islam is not a religion. Sharia law is not a religion. Uh, They're actually building this up. It's called the Rule of Seven. The man of Muslims have to marry seven women. And in marrying seven women, they give birth to the children, and then that's how they expand the uh, um, identity of who they are. That was the same terminology and degree that was used Under the Catholic Church, that if I can increase the number of Catholics by birth, by not having birth control, I then allow more Catholics. Catholics, though, gave you the rule of one. You can only be married one time. Well, the Muslims say you
2: get married seven times. Um, Should there be— Well, that's pretty similar to Mormonism, huh? Which I find ironic, because when the Mormons came in here in Utah— the government was against the Mormons, but why are they not against the Muslims? Is it that little? Uh, there's more liberal hypocrisy for you.
3: Well, let's go back to the fact that the Mormon Bible and the Muslim Bible, the the Quran, is exactly written the same. So if you go back and read one, you go back and read the other, you're going to find over ninety five percent of identity. So they're actually following the same rules of law. So now you got to go back to Romney. Romney is tied to the Mormons. and Romney was tied, in, in fact, with all the religious uh, understanding of the Sharia law and Islam. So no one is bringing this up. We've written articles on it. We've sat there and talked about it. So now you've got people that you're electing into office that the Supreme Court should really be ruling that they should not
2: be. So the court cases and the well, see, was, uh, well, and they'd be deemed as racist. Then you know, oh, now we got a racist Supreme Court.
3: Well, that's exactly correct. Our Supreme Court is not supporting the Constitution. The Supreme Court is not supporting the three branches of government as it's supposed to. Uh, the Congress is not following. the The president really needs to be following investigations. Uh, He needs to be doing things rather than bringing up the way he said it. If you don't like being in this country, leave the country. And everybody is saying he's doing it because of race, creed, color, religion, and gender. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say because you're black or because you're Muslim. He said, if you don't like the country to leave, I'm going to stand on a different order. I'm going to say, if you're Muslim, you have no right to be here and you need to leave the country. Now, if you're Muslim and you don't believe in Sharia law, if But then you don't he's an believe- Islamophobe.
2: <laughs> see how they always no, throw this stuff out? You say that? Oh, well now you're okay, you may not be racist, but now you're a z you're a uh an uh, Islamophobe or or wait a minute, or or you're a xenophobe, or, or maybe you're both. Or maybe you're a racist xenophobe, uh Islamophobe. <laughs> well Go ahead, Doctor exactly. Colbert. I oh, but I agree with you because
3: here we go back to, to Jefferson and Lincoln and Washington, who all take and took the position that Islam and Sharia law and, and the Quran uh, were going to be a issue in the United States. And yet we've not taken action on t- these last 10, 15 years. And this goes back 20 years ago. We go back into where we actually had laws in the United States that said you could not come in the country. And then they changed that in the 1990s and said, oh, we changed our mind. We're not going to let you to come in. And that's when you had to take over the Democratic Party. And we breached the Constitution. And we got away from the 1951, 52 rules, uh, years. Uh, we brought in the Johnson Act. We, we, we did away with a lot of constitutional things. And so everything you're seeing here, you know, Robert, you and I have discussed and I was telling the Sally the same thing on Monday. You know, we discussed this four or five years. So what's happening with Trump is not something new to us. It's that Trump is addressing it the way he should address it. He said it properly, and everybody's taking it out of content. And now they've filed charges against him for his bias by a man called Al Green in Texas, who is, in fact, a racist A disagreement on the uh, fact of Christianity, who has taken the position of the Black Brotherhood, who is supporting uh, the uh, uh, groups of individuals of other countries that are being taken over by ISIS, and yet we're allowing him to run and continue in office in his second term. And now you're letting new people get in there that call them whatever you want to call them. They have no business. No right, and they have to be impeached, but no one has filed impeachment paperwork against these free, these four individuals.
2: Well, and they won't. And speaking of Sally, let's go ahead. She's got an update for us. She's on the line, and I do see others on. we would like to get in, just push the one on your number dial and uh, you know, get some uh, more articles uh, tonight that would be of some interest. Uh, hopefully we'll get to them. Um, we'll get to some, but not all, I'm sure. But, again, you can find that at the uh, Barge Lodge Political Talks uh, website on the uh, on the newsroom page. And then, of course, uh, please uh, send out and share the link for tonight's show. But let's go ahead and bring in uh, Sally. Thank you very much, Sally, for coming to the show. How are you tonight?
4: Oh, I'm doing okay. Uh, you're right. It's been a crazy week, and um, crazy is the new Oh, middle. yeah. But uh, and so many things to talk about. But the first is to give the update of what I was on talking about last week, is St. Louis Park um, City Council. They decided to uh, reverse or reinstate the Pledge of Allegiance. They reversed their action to to discontinue saying the Pledge of Allegiance uh, at the beginning of their meetings, and because of the enormous outcry and outrage about it, they uh, Monday they actually reinstated saying the pledge and. Um, Seems to me, if I remember correctly, the mayor was saying how proud he was to be an American and he was glad to put it back out there or whatever. Uh, He -hmm. was saying his political thing there. The uh, councilwoman who started all this, um, Ann Mavidia, Mavidia, I think it is, she started rambling something about, you know. What does the number of times you say the pledge mean about your patriotism, or this, or that, or whatever? It was really is was, was insane what little bit I heard of it. But they all voted to reinstate it. Yeah, I have a feeling it probably is. But um, anyway, so she, but they all voted unanimous vote to reinstate it, and so contrary to popular or what some people say you can fight city hall and you should stand up for the right things it's why is it wrong to support america i I, I don't understand this is america why is it wrong to support america why is it right to put the mexican flag on american soil and trash the uh, the the american flag i mean if you don't and I, I thought it was so funny what ended up happening with Trump talking about go home or go where you came from or whatever. Obviously, yeah, go to the country you came to, from or whatever. <laughs> yeah, his, his choice of words and his accuracy was a little bit lacking because only only one technically right. was born someplace else. But uh, I, I thought it was somewhat humorous because for the past couple of weeks, um, I had really been pushing out there because I starting with that council. If you don't like America, leave. You don't have to stay in the United States of America. Yeah, there's Nothing plenty of countries you.
2: around here that, that that'll follow your, <laughs> the way you think. Yeah.
4: <laughs> exactly, and I and I offered to help with a GoFundMe if somebody wanted to. It's like for everybody who hates America and doesn't want to be here, let's ship you out. You hate it, leave. <laughs> we'll help you leave. We'll yeah. give you a one-way ticket to wherever it is you want to go. Well, you get all
2: those movie yeah. stars who. All of the citizens who get selected on leave. Well, you're still here? Get out. <laughs> you know?
4: <laughs> well, and of course, when you talk California, uh, uh, the celebrities, the ones with the big bucks and everything else, which they all get paid too much, that's another story. It's so funny how they might jump up and down about California, but how many of them have their legal address in a state like Texas or Florida because they don't want to pay all the taxes?
2: <laughs> mm hmm. You no, know, there's I mean, the and that's just I and mean, Facebook is so riddled with with hypocrisy especially on the left it's unbelievable and you know and you can't the sad thing is is you, I remember back in 2012 when I you know started the show and um you know had debates and even in some you know 2016 you know you could actually have a conversation and and maybe even actually have a dialogue or debate with some of these people but now it you you can't there's just so much hatred and vitriol out there, so much where it's all name-calling and, and oh, but well, you're a racist and, oh, we're so racist and blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and, and tonight you know, I made a comment um, where, look, if you, these people keep yelling racist, 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 the, the white people in the country, they're going to get sick of it. Okay? They're going to get sick of hearing it because then they're going to start saying, well, if you're white, you're a racist just by default. And that's where I think it's going. You know, but they need to remember you know, this country's you know, still 70 what about 76.9 percent white. You know, I mean, if, if they get, if all the white people got together and said, you know what, we're done with this BS. We're tired of it. We're tired of white privilege. We're tired of people saying, but just because we're white, we're racist. You know, or if, if, if you know if we show any pride in being white, oh my God, you must be a white supremacist. I mean, that's ridiculous. But you, I'm telling you. If everyone, as a whole, if the you know, the white race or whatever as a whole would stand up and say, no, you know what? No, no more, and screw you. We're not. None of us are going to vote Democrat. You know, whether it's the, the president or anyone in Congress, they need to watch out because I I can see that very little happening. Where you know what? Um, Van Jones said, in, uh, when when uh, Trump got elected, he's like, well, this was a white lash. Well, yeah, you're damn right, it, it is, and I don't. Care. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not a racist because I agree with it. I'm not a, a white supremacist, and I'm tired of you know. It's like, oh well, if I want to advance, well, I mean, you have got the NWACP. How racist can you get other than that? Because the national advancement of color people. That's all you want. That's what your organization is for. Is for the advancement of color people. But could you imagine what would be said if an organization tried to crop up? That was just for the advancement of white people. Could you imagine if there was a college fund? Because now there's college funds, the, the Negro college fund. That's what they call it, not us. Okay. And now you, I hear on the radio, and yeah. now there's the Hispanic college fund. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if they, if, if a white person, you know, let's say a, a billionaire, multi-billionaire philanthropist said, you know what, I'm going to start the, the, the Caucasian college fund. Oh my God, could you imagine? <laughs> How whipped this guy would well,
4: get or gal would get. Holy moly. We, we need we, we, we need the Europeans, whites, whatever you want to call it. Um, we we need to, one, get over the guilt trip. You know, the, the, here they are warning reparation all this other stuff and uh, nonsense. Uh, yeah. We need to get what over the guilt for, trip. Yeah. We, we, What would you we, vote for? Uh, we've done – yeah, we've changed it. Now, if, when someone says this, and I, I really I, – I keep meaning to actually compile more of a list and send it to the president, but – when they say this, well, I would ask, especially as congressional representatives, say, what about the Congressional Black Caucus? Is a white man or woman allowed to be in there? The answer is no. When a white man tried to join, they said no. Isn't that racism? And why are we actually paying for caucuses in Washington, D.C. that discriminate against different groups? It's outrageous. Exactly. There's, there's a lot of these caucuses, but there's – in fact, what we should start is – is why don't we get together and have the uh, white man or white woman, whatever you want to call it, the, I'll call it we could call it European because that's white, right, uh, caucus out there so that we actually have one for white people because we're not allowed to have one. Or what about being really truly Americans and say, let's have an American caucus called a Congress and get rid of all the other crap because we, they're not even legal. There, there's no way it's constitutional to have a group of congressional representatives have their own special group to go out there and support a certain element of the um, uh, society versus all the people. Well, uh, tell me what community, what city, what district in the United States has absolutely nothing but Asians or nothing but blacks or nothing but whatever, so, all these crazy but, caucuses. And, and the, um, and if it's we about try time that, to have, that, a, have that. an American caucus. And and and
2: that's what they've got. And the, and the liberals are, are and the liberals are there because it's uh, just another way to, to to tear down America. And that's what they want to do. They want to try to get you know white people, as you said, white guilt. Oh my God, I have white. Uh, you know, uh, if I think anything, you know, should advance white, you know, uh, ca- Caucasians or Europeans or whites, whatever the heck people want to say. You know, if we want to advance our cause, oh my God, you're a racist. You're a white supremacist. You know, and then I'm, I'm I'm sick of it. I really am because I'm like, look, yeah. And I grant you, I wish we had the American caucus, just like what Trump said, hey, if you don't like it, love it, you know, love it or leave it, get the hell out. There's plenty of other countries here that probably espouse that are closer to your own personal ideology. But so well, let me tell you something. If you got any savings in your like a 401k or something, and you take it to one of these places like, you know, oh, let's say uh, Venezuela or Cuba. Or one of these other places in Africa. Why don't you take your savings, move to that country, and you know what? You might be, you probably will be the top echelons in that country because your you're, your money's worth more, you know. <laughs> so I mean, yep. go. You can't say you don't have the money because you know if you're, any American could probably live, you know, in almost any you know country that subscribes to socialism, you can move there. Go, you know. There's, I mean, there's there's plenty, you know. Plenty out there, yeah, but, yeah. but we probably but we can't. And, and I'm sick of you know, i was trying to bring something up, and, and then I'm trying to you know, you know, you know, call us racist. And now, of course, and it's the only thing that yeah. that the, the, straw the that they've excuse. got Trump they, is Trump. They
4: have no other argument. They have to use racism because they can't say anything else. And yet, it's and really so ironic. Down. These the the four the four ladies that get brought, you know, they're the ones that talk about their color. And whatever else, their gender is like where else in the world can you go and do what you're doing right now? You would not have that right to do it any place else. And the, they, But this is because they're so clueless and don't understand anything to do with history. It's like, try to go any other, to any other country in the world and be, seek the, the level. Look how much money they are making. They're making much more than the average person. They, I don't see them taking a vow of poverty to what they're doing. They're going to get all these benefits they're going to get. They're going to have their pension plan paid for us by all this. And they want to act like they, um, they have been tortured and abused and everything else. They're the ones abusing us. And not, not just them, but the oh, whole gosh, conscience yeah. is abusing us. I mean it's out well, yeah, they're, making it, they're trying to
2: make us feel guilty. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, this is just one of my pet peeves.
4: It really is. Well, you know, a uh, couple of things I want to make sure I kind of got out there, and I mean there's so much on what uh, Dr. Tobit was talking about as well. But um, when it came to the, the pledge thing, Americans would just stand up and be Americans, and, and that's what's happening. And little by little it's happening, so there is some sort of – Revolution coming across here And I hope we we Can continue it in time to save this country From the craziness of Changing this culture which is what these people want to do They truly want to change the oh, culture yeah. The There's um, A House resolution 1044 I'm not sure how many people Are familiar with it and I can send you some info From another show or whatever But you really need to contact the Senate and Trump And say no to it It's already passed the House This is a um, it's a scam to bring in cheap foreign labor, legal immigration that stabs us in the back. We've got all the illegal immigration flooding us on one side, robbing us and taking away our money. On the other side, it's in, if these people who claim to care so much about the working class would focus on this, two of the four voted for it, two voted against it. H.R. 1044 removes the cap on the number of immigrants you can bring in, usually high tech. From the Middle East, like India or wherever else, and China. Of course, China's a biggie. Their EB5s, employment-based immigration. This gives them the right to bring, oh, uh, spend their money, invest here in America, open their uh, corporations, bring their foreign workers, and have their mm-hmm. foreign workers take the jobs of high, the um, high-tech industry stuff from the Americans for pennies on a dollar, and that's okay. This and both sides are doing it. So it has nothing – the Republicans will stab us in the back just as fast as the Democrats will, which I thought was interesting. Out of these four ladies I checked, two voted for it, two voted against it. And it's like, okay, so you're going to kill us with legal immigration here. You're going to take away the jobs from our college students who are, who are graduating, who have all this debt that everybody's concerned about. while you take away their jobs? And of course, we're being flooded by the illegals that we're supposed to pay to support. It's, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable. And everybody needs to make sure they send something to President Trump saying, do you truly, you say you believe in made in America by Americans? Well, what about jobs for Americans? <laughs> Let's, let's have, keep the jobs here instead of importing cheap H-1B labor, and this is what happened with Walt Disney World a couple of years back. And the Supreme Court mm-hmm, said Walt Disney had the right to do it. They had the right, but now they're the, at the federal level, they want to remove the cap so they can bring in as much cheap labor from these places, including communist China. This is sick. I can't I – want, I want President Trump… To be out there on the campaign trail and say, oh, sure, I support 1044. Yeah, we're going to bring in the cheap labor to take your jobs. We've got to force the issue to Trump because I have a feeling it's, it's already passed the House. It's in the Senate. The Senate's a bunch of money grubbers. I don't care what party they belong to. They support the Chamber of Commerce before they support the American people. They can jump up and down all they want to on the southern border, which is good. They should be doing it. They should have done it the past 30 years. Um, but when it comes to this stuff, they're going to slip it through, and you're not going to know what hits you while they take our jobs away from us. So Donald Trump, President Trump, you're out there on the campaign trail. I want you to say it to the American people. Yes, I support H.R. 1044. Yes, I support giving the jobs to the cheap foreign labor H-1B visa immigrants. Let's bring them all in to take your jobs. That's going to improve our economy because we're going to give the jobs to, to the corporations and let them make lots of money. Yeah, That's what I, we need I to can't hear. imagine him People. saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't either. But everybody listening to the show needs to call and ask him that. Send the email to him, whatever, and of course, call your senators as well for whatever good it will do you. But it's no H.R. Bill 44, HR 1044. Yeah. Yeah, definitely oh, sorry, send. Um,
2: Send more of that uh, you know, to me, you could either through it directly or, or through my the contact page on the bard sludge website and I got Kelly in the line but Kelly before first we get you in. Um, I got an article here um, uh, that uh, was written by Newt Gingrich, and this was uh, it was earlier it was before all this hoopla last week, but but still um, this is about of course our our, our friend uh, Alexandria or Casillo cortez or AOC is she's more aptly named, Um, it says it took uh, Representative, uh, I'm going to just say ARC, his visit to the border and her dishonest comments afterward to help me understand how profoundly vicious, cruel, and dishonest she is. And this is a piece by, uh, again, Newt Gingrich. When you look at the larger picture, it is clear that AOC, Democrat New York, is eager and determined to undermine and destroy America as we know it. When your goals are that radical, lying is simply part of the game. When you despise American values and find the people, American people, deplorable and contemptible, lying is perfectly natural. The tragedy of Ocasio-Cortez's type of vicious, deliberate, dishonest politics, it has set the stage for innocent people to die. The poignant, heart-wrenching picture of a father and his daughter who died trying to get into the United States illegally should serve as a moral commandant – I'm sorry, I can't talk. Condemnation of every Democrat trying to use the border as a political weapon against Trump Uh, Let me be clear, the American border is a disaster The American immigration system is profoundly broken Despite these tremendous problems, uh, Ocasio-Cortez and her fellow left-wing activists Continue to send signals to desperate and ambitious people around the world That can and should enter the United States illegally Uh, These signals are simply increasing the pressure on the border and overwhelming the Americans who are working to protect and control our national boundaries. Remember, folks, if you are – I'm going to interject a little bit. Remember, folks, if you are a Democrat, and we mentioned this last week, tell me whether it's through Facebook or whether it's – which I haven't had anyone tell me yet, or the the contact here or or email, tell me if you are an American citizen what the Democrat Party is doing  … Okay, … to improve or to benefit the American people. Tell me what they're doing, and why would you vote for a Democrat in 2020? Um, but anyway, it says um, the signals are simply increasing the pressure on the border control, which they want to get rid of ICE, right? They want to get rid of these, the, the people, the left of. We have immigration laws to protect Americans from people who may be criminals carrying infectious diseases, which now we're having diseases in here that we've pretty much wiped out here in the United States or are committed to changing America rather than becoming American. It is important to remember that during the late 19th century, when we had enormous immigration, it was still tightly controlled. Immigrants were processed in an orderly way. If they had fetched diseases, criminal records, were anarchists, or even shown signs of low morals, they were denied entry and sent back to their home countries. Hmm. Remember, this was, <laughs> this was made before this past week. The modern left-wing idea of opening the borders as wide as possible would have been thoroughly rejected in any previous era. The people who are coming to our borders determined to begin their lives in America by breaking the law are being encouraged by Ocasio-Cortez and her hard-left allies. The Democrats refuse. Who control the border They have refused to amend the amnesty provision And our immigration laws Which is the loophole used by most sophisticated people Seeking illegal entry The Democrats have also refused To provide legislative solutions For various left-wing judicial decisions That have crippled Our enforcement capabilities So the word is out And it is a good time to sneak into the United States Don't we know it so This pisses me off, excuse my French but anyway, now the Democrats are going a step further and talking about providing free health care. Hello, American citizens, Democrat or not, how does this help you? They w- Remember, as, as I put a post out last week, the Democrats wanted to find people who didn't have health care. I had a brother-in-law who, who almost had to pay it before Trump rescinded it. And he was like, oh my gosh, I'm so, I'm so relieved that you know I don't have to pay this big old tax. Uh, you know, tax penalty because you know he uh, Trump uh, lifted the the mandate, and, and then they would give it for free. Well, for them for free, it's not free. Someone's paying for it, and let me tell you something: it's going to fall on the backs of the middle class. But anyway, so again, Democrats, why would you vote for a Democrat?
0: <sighs>
2: anyway, <laughs> normally I'd like to be more even keeled, but this is something that is just anyway. Meanwhile, the current team of hardworking, patriotic government officials, working to enforce and administer our laws, okay, they're just trying to administer the laws, are being overwhelmed by the size of the invasion, and that is a term that we've been using for a while, and it is true. This isn't people seeking asylum; they are invading our country. And what do we do with invaders? That's all I'm going to say. What these these are invaders. What do we do with invaders? Do we welcome them in? Do we clothe them? Do we shelter them? we educate their children? That's not what you do in invaders. And, if, and let's say uh, if we were at war and we were to aid and abet uh, you know, an invader, the person who aids and abed them, what are they? They're a traitor. <laughs> You're a traitor for giving aid and comfort to the enemy. What is that? That's, that's, I almost dare say treasonous. They want to say Trump being treasonous. What is this? I mean this is an invasion. Instead of helping these officials uh, with their difficult jobs, the Democrats attack them, try to shame – to lie them – I'm sorry, shame them, lie about them, and hold them up to ridicule. This is not a cost-free political game. Ocasio-Cortez wing is blocking the help, undermining the existing workforce, maximizing the number of new people coming to the United States illegally, and then blaming the hardworking immigration and border agents for trying to do their jobs. We owe it to the father and daughter who died in the Rio Grande uh, to make clear who has moral responsibility for the system that lured them, lured them, by giving them all this stuff, and to the river, left them to die. The system is one upheld by the Democratic Party's political ideology in the House and Senate and is now the presidential nominating process. Every day, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and of Cortez radicals block reforming the immigration system the house republicans should take special orders and damn it with the republicans quipping such wimps i am tired of you know spineless jelly spine whatever you want to call it republicans what the hell when are they going to actually start getting a spine i'm i'm ugh, i'm seriously i mean uh, yes yeah, should we – would i guess voting for a republican still better than a democrat i guess but when are they going to get a spine but anyway… The House Republicans take special orders and show the pictures of those who died the day before in a system that Democrats helped ruin and refuse reform. Furthermore, Ocasio-Cortez should be called out for the viciousness, viciousness, destructiveness, and dishonesty of her words and actions. It is time for decent people—that's us, folks—and we are uh, to stand up and ask her, "Have you no shame?" And let's go ahead, and I'm going to bring things back around. First, I'm going to bring it to Kelly. Open up the mic for you, then Dr. Tolbert, then Sally. And then we got other callers. You can push the one on your number dot if you'd like to chime in. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. As you can tell, this, this these topics kind of fire me up. I normally I like to be a you know logical, even keel, you know, barge logic. But this I have to be honest, this, this does get me keyed up, much to my chagrin and I guess my shame to get them you know upset about it. But
5: it just anyway, go ahead, Kelly. Oh, boy. Hello, everybody. Uh, let's see. So many things to try to cover here try to All right. Um so AOC, you know Cortez, uh okay, okay. She has a nickname by the way, but we'll get to that. Right after she got elected. It's <laughs> so funny. She's telling people, Yeah, I'm looking forward to going to see into D C where I'll get inaugurated, then I'm gonna sign some bills and then uh, I'll be working with the three chambers of government, which are, you know, the Senate and the House and the Presidency.
0: <laughs>
5: chambers of government Um, let's see you don't get inaugurated you get sworn in or as I've said before sworn at as a congressman and you don't sign bills you vote on them so no wonder why they gave her the nickname of occasional cortex <laughs> uh, I love it <laughs> oh, occasional cortex Cor- <laughs> I have to admit that is hilarious <laughs> Oh, gosh. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, I watched a video today. Uh, Kamalia Harris, you know, she's running for um, government, uh, president, Kamalia Harris. And, and she ripped Joe Biden a new one for whatever reason, claiming, oh, uh, we should stand up for women's rights and gay rights and, and we should make reparations. Oh, that's right. You should be the first on the list because you're – it's been found out. I'm looking at a web article right now confirming this. Um, Senator Kamalia Harris, Democrat, California, is the descendant of an Irishman who owned a slave plantation in Jamaica, according to her family's lengthy ancestral summary. Interesting. Donald Harris, a Stanford University economic professor, revealed in 2018 that his grandmother was a descendant of Hamilton Brown, the namesake of Brownstown in northern Jamaica. So Hamilton Brown was her great-great-something grandfather. Um, he died 1837, 1830s. 1830. Anyway, but he was a horrific, um slave owner. And not only that, he had a couple of ships and went to Ireland and got the Irish slaves. His own home countrymen. Two boatloads. And some of these Irish folks uh, escaped in Jamaica, joined the police force, and one day they mobbed together and they're running after Hamilton. Brown, and they were going to lynch him and basically kill him, but somehow he got away. So, Miss Kamalia Harris, oh, we need the reparations. Okay, I'm Irish. Give me my reparations. I'm part Irish. I think you are too, Robert. Kamalia Kamalia yes, Harris, I am. Gonna... Yep. Okay, so you are, you are deserve reparations, not just from the British, but also from Kamalia Harris. We should get a uh, um, website together. It explains, write to Kamala Harris and ask for reparations for your Irish descendants for becoming slaves. Oh, no, they were Dutch Germans. No, they were slaves. Okay? Cromwell. Lord Cromwell – oh, the British, he was like a general or something. He it went and he took the British soldiers into Ireland, and they captured Irish and sold them into the colonies here. This is mind-blowing. Um, so yeah, okay, whatever. Politically expedient. Well, I'll make reparations. Maybe, maybe i vote for you. Maybe you give me a million, I'll vote for you. Um. <laughs> anyway, so uh, <laughs> just laughing at hypocrisy. Alert. Okay. So, uh, oh, by the way, I have had some white guilt and I made reparations today. I was on a construction job site pouring concrete. You know, what's an engineer doing pouring concrete? Oh, I mean, it would be kind of fun. I know the guy liked the, the client, and uh, he invited me. Hey, you want to come pour? I'm like, okay. Bunch of. Good. Once you guys, I got done three hours. House Foundation. Anyway, it was kind of fun. It's something I don't normally do, but it was fun. Okay, so I'm standing in front of everybody, and we're all done. I said, you know what? And they started talking about this guy. They started talking about race where one of the – one of his helpers, he uh, adopted a Chinese girl who was one years old. Because California told him, oh, you're in your mid-40s, and therefore you cannot adopt a white person. You have to adopt a foreign person. What? That's ridiculous. This is like th- – Twenty-something years ago, the state of California said, "Oh, you can't help the white race. You have to help some other race from another country." So they adopted a Chinese girl, and this girl like studied like crazy. We became valedictorian here in her high school, and uh, she was the first uh, non-white valedictorian. Now, so anyway, you know, really type A-driven, awesome, good. You give a great opportunity in America. You're making something of yourself. Hey, yeah, that's great. That's the kind of people we want this country. So then we can sort of talk about. White guild and reparations, and so I stood up for everybody and go, All right. I'm part Irish, I'm part British or Welsh, I'm Welsh, which is British, I'm part Irish, part British, and part German. And so, yeah, you know, I took some money out of my pocket and said, Okay, this since the British captured the Irish as slaves, um oil reparations, so I put the money from one pocket to the other. Okay. Well, then uh, the German part of me complained because the Irish was, uh, Dublin, Ireland was fil- founded by the Vikings. And then the Vikings went and raided into, uh, I think it was Haston, General Haston, some others. They uh, invaded into Germany. So the Irish opened my German part some reparations. So the guys are laughing by the they see the dollars get going all around. So from my British, my Irish, to my German, my British part said, hey, 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 wait on it, wait a minute. Reparations time, okay. You Germans bomb the heck out of us innocent civilians in World War Two, and you you Germans owe some uh, reparations to to us British. And so the money went back in my first pocket. <laughs> They're all like just busting up laughing. I said, "See, I just paid reparations, and now I can live with myself. No more white guilt." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, you know the amazing thing about being. Irish, German, and British. And I got a friend, by the way. Hope he calls in. He's must Jewish, hate yourself now. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore since I paid reparations from pocket to pocket. Okay. So my friend Jewish, part Jewish, part black, part Irish, part German. He's a mutt. Okay? But you think about it. Okay? It's a beautiful thing, my friend. Uh, the bearded white guy. He's called on before. It's a beautiful thing because in the past, people put their race aside and loved each other. They got married, had a baby, and then other races got together, had a baby, and so you have this. And, and my friend's is a very loving, amazing person. It's just like these people got together and loved each other. And here we have people born. Did anybody ever really look at that? Did anybody really look at you know when somebody's multiracial? People loved each other. Enough that they were born. (laughs) I mean, uh, it's just mind-blowing. Could you imagine a married couple that's all sorts of mixed races giving – the husband gives reparations to the wife, and the wife gives back reparations, and then the money goes around the whole family and (laughs) comes back to the dad because he's working his butt off to provide for the family. I mean this has got to stop. The white guilt, well, it just gotta stop. Especially, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. If there's reparations, my great grandfather fought in the Civil War for the North, helped free the slaves, came home with a 50 caliber bullet in his hip. Okay, wait. The black folk need reparations to My, to me now, for freeing your black ass. I mean, why is this gonna stop? And of course, people aren't listening to it anymore. They really aren't. And I've, I've been watching some, you know, people comment on YouTube and different things and. And the uh, it's it's the false accusation. It's it's the false accusation. It's dividing the country. They're called divisionists. Uh sure there may be one or two racists, which is you know far far worse than a racist is a supremacist who thinks he's better than everybody else. Of course we can go to work or you interact with other people today, you're gonna to find a supremacist who always thinks he's better than anybody else. Race is just an excuse. So yeah, it's it's real. But yet we've come so far compared to other countries, we've come so far. Um I I just it gets so frustrating. So these YouTube a few YouTube videos about again the classic, oh, white supremacists racist, all this stuff. what about the people that freed the blacks? How about how about John Adams? Sounding father, he was an abolitionist. Um uh, gosh, it, the list goes on. Um William, uh, oh, da, 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 I'm sorry, memory lapse right now. Um, William Wilberforce, Great Britain, Great Britain MP, mem- uh, member member of Parliament, MP. He worked tirelessly for um, ending the the slave trade in Great Britain. Eventually, it happened. They ended the slave trade, and blacks were treated equally. It, it took a while, but it, it, it he did it. How about those, these white people that have loved um, oppressed races to to bring them up to the same level, which is equal? Do we ever look into this? No, we got to focus on the division. So these YouTube videos, you can tell the comments. People are so tired of the false accusation. They're tired of it. It's not gaining much political power anymore. You know, that city where they finally got the Pleasure of Legions back uh, – Sally, I believe, yeah, she – was talking about that city that, oh, we're going to bring them. Ple- you knuckleheads. See, what I see liberals do is they get into this col- little cloister of their own and they convince each other how much they're right. And then they don't realize, oh, crap, we're going to lose the next election unless we bring back the Pledge of Allegiance. Dude, you already lost it next time. Sorry. But I can't believe they get together, they huddle, and they delude themselves. It's mind blowing. It's, 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 It's it's mind-blowing. Atlanta, Georgia has a phenomenal um, reconciliation rate um, in the sense that they have – somebody there has led – just, hey, let's just forget about it, move on, and let's work together. Blacks, whites, equals, there you go. It's mind-blowing that some of that work for uh, racial reconciliation is being destroyed by these people. I mean, if we keep destroying ourselves, it could become vulnerable to an invasion. Well, that'll never happen. In the history of the world, come on, even the Roman Empire fell. Um, The British Empire has greatly been reduced in in the 1800s. The sun never set in the British Empire. They were in over, like, 50 countries. And they're not anymore. We are going to weaken our country. What's going to happen? Well, (laughs) nations rise and fall, folks. So I... You know, it's getting it's just it's mind blowing. Absolutely mind blowing. So Boy, yeah, you get me going on it too, but uh anyway, Kamali Harris, yes yes, yes reparations. Oh, I'm Irish, Robert. Let's let's get huh, the Irish whole bunch of Irish descended bloodmail. Let's send her let's pound her with letters. Why we want reparations?
0: <laughs> there <laughs> you go. 11.
5: Yeah, no, certainly. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah,
2: because there was some in the in, in United States as well. Um, let's go ahead and uh, uh, we're going to get uh, Dr. Colbert back in. Then we have uh, Joseph on the line. Uh, so we're going to get him in the order of uh, the call. Uh, so we'll bring it back to you, Dr. Colbert, and then we'll get in Joseph. And then, of course, there's uh, plenty more to talk about. we got uh, a few more articles. Um as well, that you know, perhaps we'll get through. But if not, um, let's you know, we'll move it through. Let's go ahead and bring Dr. Tolbert on, and then Joseph, O. will Go ahead, Dr. Tolbert. Yeah, can you hear
3: me? All and right then we'll bring it Robert? over to Sal again. Can you hear me, Robert? I can hear you. Okay, good. What I wanted to do is I wanted to go back and look at the changing and how people are being elected, and how there's been a total uh, restructuring of our Congress. I'm going to read an article. It's not about race, creed, color. It's not about sexual preference. It's just the new members of Congress and how Congress has been changed. And it's called the historical number of the LGBTO people that joined Congress. Ten out of the politicians were sworn into the 116th U.S. Congress Tuesday, two in the U.S. Senate and eight in the House of Representatives. This rainbow wave of politicians joins the most diversified Congress ever. Each include over 100 women, over 50 black members, 30 Hispanic members, two Native American women, and two Muslim women. The watershed moment was laundered by Mayor Andis Parker, President and CEO of the LGBTQ, Victory Institution as a turning point In the history of federal lawmaking it's A historical number of LGBTQ People will serve in the new U.S. Congress And their influence will shape the debate On equality legislation and issues moving forward Parker said in the U.S. Senate Those opposed to the Equality Act and Remember now they're using the Equality Act will now need to look to openly LGBTQ.
6: Now, the reason I
3: do that because the Muslims are fall under the Equality Act, and under the Equality Act, they're tying it together with other individuals who are not Muslims. And we're a Christian nation. This does not mean these individuals are not Christians. It's just showing that everybody is now using the Equality Act as the, the, the
2: You are breaking position. up, Dr. Tolbert. I hate to say. Can you hear me now? Yeah, it's still kind of uh fuzzy.
3: Yeah. I okay. Let
2: let let's continue then from there. No, that, that's forward, better. There you go, that's better. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that sounds better. Yeah. The Equality Act
3: is what is being used so when we look at the L um We look at the LGBTQ using the Equality Act. We're looking at the Muslims using the Equality Act. We're looking at the fact that the 116th Congress has been totally changed by groups of individuals out of the norm under the Equality Act. We're finding that the Equality Act is actually taken away, not adding to the direction of the Constitution so people are using a terminology of presentation why their argument of being non believers in America non believers in the constitution non believers at that we should have a president of his stance they're using the equality act as the reason for their right to violate the constitution the right To violate the fact that they don't have to support The government or do things accordingly So the Equality Act Is actually a detrimental To what we're doing today Because it's taken out of proportion So everything we're talking about tonight Falls into the fact of the Equality Act And how it is being misrepresentative, Robert So I just wanted to bring up these hundreds of people, the 116 Congress, and how groups of individuals show me a Christian that says they're not being
0: recognized under
3: the Equality Act. Okay, guess what? The president is not being recognized under the Equality Act. So why are we not saying, well, the Christians being recognized? Or what if we're not saying that other groups of individuals of other denominations, other race, creed, color, and religions not being recognized. So we're picking up two groups of individuals that's using gender as the main reason I'm a female, so therefore I'm not being recognized. But yet, an African American male is not saying I'm not being recognized under the Equality Act. So we're going to take the position of a female, of an African American, of an LBJ, and of a Muslim. So we're going to put those four together. And we're going to build it and use it on the Equality Act. And yet you don't see an Hispanic person standing up and saying, I'm not being protected under the Equality Act. Yet you've had 39 new Hispanic people become members of the Congress. So all these people that are coming up and doing this are playing games in order to manipulate. And we are have to take and re the president that he... And the other members of the United States are not given. And now they have this rule called the middle class. The middle class you have thirty three percent of the United States are now not part of the Equality Act. Under the Equality Act, you have to be a minority, you have to be a poor person, you cannot have money, wages and things, and you don't fall under the Equality Act. So I just leave
2: that there for you, Robert. Well, no, certainly for uh, bringing, yeah, you know, bringing that in. I mean, I know with, um, you know, the I'm just gonna say homosexual community because I, mean, I don't feel like saying all those acronyms, uh, those letters. I mean, I think another reason why we're seeing so many, not because I think there's probably who, there plenty have been in there, in Congress and Senate. It's just not as acceptable as is now, and it's not even who makes accepted It almost seems like it's preferred anymore. But anyway, um, I think that may play a part, uh, play a part in it uh, as well. But uh, certainly um, things change. I even had someone, you know, say, oh, well, your conservatives are just afraid that, you know, they're, they're seeing uh, that they're, you know, especially whites, that they're going to be, you know, uh, a minority or something like that. And that's what you're really afraid of. It's it's like, no, you know, my big, one of my biggest concerns is that, you know, we're developing into a country that doesn't know anything about, you know, personal responsibility. Um, And so, well, you know, there's a, a uh, this is a topic I've been uh following with that this uh the nimix um uh, uh, trial going on that involves uh Allison Mack and you know because i've been you know been following that and one of the things is they're talking about is how these women gave up collateral on themselves that could be used to be blackmailed to them you know if they got out of line and and made them sign like these contracts now if you're joining an organization and now they're saying the group of the cult but anyway, it's like if you don't join an organization and then organization says, Hey, give me some damning information about yourself so that if you get out of the line I can you know, I'm gonna use this against you and you're like, Okay, here you go I mean, really? You would think that'd be a red flag and get the hell out of there, but no. These women did it and now now, you know, things didn't turn out well for them, so now they're gonna cry foul and all this other stuff. But anyway, that's the topic for a different day. I don't know if anyone on the line, um you know, know what I'm even referring to, but anyway, let's go ahead and bring in um, our friend Joseph here uh, from Hawaii. Thank you very much. Uh, which I think uh, Trump really should uh, visit Hawaii. I know it's a chance of, uh, you know, it's going Democrat, but I think he should go there, and I think he should try to go to, uh, especially California. No offense, Joseph, I think he even should go to California before Hawaii, just because he can really. Um, I don't know. You could probably speak more than than this, but. We know the shithole, excuse my French, but uh, that California is becoming. I don't know if Hawaii's at the uh, same as, as California is, but you, again, you could speak more on that. But thank you, Joseph, for coming to the show. How are you? Uh,
7: yes, uh, thank you for having me on your show, Robert. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I actually think that uh, California does have the potential to go red. Um, I was listening to a couple of political commentators saying how the uh, Asian voting bloc is uh, starting to turn uh, conservative uh, to uh, different degrees, Um, being that California is in free fall. California also became the first state in American history to go bankrupt. So California is a mess, and um, Hawaii, if it continues on the trajectory that it's on, estimate that within 20 years, Hawaii can go uh, bankrupt in free fall as well. And oh, wow. the one commonality that we have in major states such as Illinois, California, uh, New York, uh, Hawaii, uh, which their economies are in complete free fall, is the one commonality that they have is that the majority governing party for 40 to 50 years or more, uh, has been the democratic party. So in reality, especially in Hawaii, um, which is one of eight states that has a, a democratic trifecta, which essentially just means the, the Democrats uh, control the uh, state house of reps. Um, they control the state Senate, uh, they control, um, both United States uh, Senate seats in the hands of Dems. The governor is a Democrat. The mayor is Democrat. Um, the two congressional leaders, uh, Ed Case and Tulsi Gabbard, are all Democrats. So they really can't blame, you know, the uh, failures of their leadership on a party at a state level that's never even been in a position to govern in the majority, Um, But keep in mind, you know, Hawaii has had throughout the years a few um, Republican gubernatorial administrations. But, however, um, that's a pretty tough sell. And then you look at the red states, states that are governed in the majority by uh, Republicans or conservatives. Well, they're thriving. Um, A lot of people are leaving the blue states, especially people who have wealth and taking their uh, – revenue and and going elsewhere uh, where they can live a better quality of life, where they could go to states where instead of uh, inflation, there's deflation. Uh, The quality uh, or the cost of living matches the wages that you make. Uh, There are states that are very business friendly, uh, low um, uh, tax cuts for businesses and entrepreneurs. Um, And so, the Republicans have proven that they can govern very well at the state level, um, but at the federal level,
2: that's a whole different story.
7: And mm-hmm. um,
2: do they lose Jennifer their spine by the proven, time there? Does it like leak out of their backside or something? But by the time uh, they get to the the national arena, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Joseph. Go ahead.
7: <laughs>
0: no,
2: no,
7: no, no, no. Um, no, I get what you're saying. It's 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 funny, but it's 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 funny in a sad way um because you you have these parties well the democrat party they can't govern at the state or federal level so at least republicans they have proven they can govern very well at the state level um but they can't govern at the federal level they, they can't even get anything or the needle moving it's just a uh, complete gridlock between both parties and so Hawaii has that same problem. For over 54 years, the governing uh, majority party has been the Democratic Party. And so uh, Hawaii is in the tank in all the important areas, uh, economy, jobs. Um, There's a lot of inflation here, high cost of living. The cost of living does not match the wages that you make. So you have a lot of people working two to three jobs to put food on the table. Uh, Tourism, it has an all-time low in 30 years. And it's the same party, elected over and over again by the same people. They've been in power for 54 years, and they're plundering the state into the ground. And um, I think Kelly can relate to uh, the same thing happening in California. You know, 40 years ago, California was the place to be, thriving. New York, uh, you know, if you could make it in New York, you could make it anywhere. Um, even uh, Detroit, 40, 50 years ago, the mega giant of GM. Uh, they're all now failing states who have uh, been under the regime of the Democrats for so long. So you know the proof is in the pudding when it comes to that.
2: Yeah, I mean, and and, and these concentrations, especially you know Detroit. I mean, you have large concentrations, you know, of minorities there, you know, as well. And then the Democrat Party wants to act like that they're the saviors of the you know of, of colored people in America. When it's 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 not true. I mean, where where is there proof that that's actually uh that that's actually the case? And um if you want to respond on that, uh, Joseph then Kelly, and then I got a, an article I really want to make sure gets uh, gets out tonight. Uh but go ahead, Joseph.
7: Yeah, no, no, couldn't agree with you more. So um my fear is um eventually what's gonna happen is um It's like Florida 30 years ago. Florida had a thriving economy. It was a place where a lot of uh, 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 senior citizens went to retire. But unfortunately, when a place becomes too popular, then everyone wants to live there. When everyone wants to live there, it causes mass overpopulation. Overpopulation leads to crime, inflation, prices going up, Uh, housing crises where there's a lot of supply. uh, I mean where there's a lot of demand for housing but not enough supply. You look at Florida today, uh, Florida's a mess. And um, so I fear that, you know, 20, 30 years on the road, states like Texas, Indiana, Alaska, Arizona, uh, uh, Georgia, um, Alabama, you know, those those deep uh, red states traditionally, um, Tennessee, I fear that, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to overpopulate those states and they're going to turn into uh, potentially another Florida. Eventually, we're going to run out of states to go to, places of refuge, um, if our two-party system can't get their act together um, in a quick, uh, reasonable amount of time.
2: Yeah, that you know, that's that that doesn't bode well for uh, the future, not for us, uh, but also, of course, for you know our kids and the young ones. And, and Kelly, real quick, if you want to, you know, give us kind of. Um, in addition to what he was saying about California, then I'm going to get to uh, this article. Go ahead, Kelly. Um,
5: let's see. Well, California's a mess. <laughs> I don't know what to say more than that. I was—I'm—I'm I'm straight up with you. i was actually having to do some work, so I didn't catch fully with Joseph. And I really like Joseph's input. I Just wasn't paying attention full well. Otherwise, I just know that. Well, California is a mess, and I'd like to leave, and there's been 22 counties that wrote the uh, – either for, through a – the county supervi- supervisors approved it or they put it to the vote of the people. Twenty-two counties in the North State basically said we are done. We want out of California. We want to become our own state. This is how bad it's gotten, and believe it or not, it's – you know the North State is quite uh, conservative and more so I'd say libertarian-minded. Than the rest of the state, we just don't have much population up here. So, um, you know, it would be wonderful if we become the state of Jefferson, as people are trying. It, this is how frustrated people are, and the environmentalists have shut down a lot of these rural counties that have enormous amount of resources that would create an awful lot of jobs, plus help the state in taxes and da 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 da. But no, we just people in uh, you know. They're going to reintroduce the wolf up here. Well, we ought to reintroduce the mountain lion in the streets of Sacramento and San Francisco and see how they like that.
0: Uh, <laughs> just, just,
5: I, I, don't get me started on California, please. But one thing Trump did do, and I mentioned just briefly, it was in uh, March Logic After Dark, the Paradise Fire, 14,000 homes. We're not there um, yet.
2: That's 40 minutes there, Kelly.
5: <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, uh, this is last year. I mean, my gosh, we've had wildfires in Napa, and then another one in Lake County, and then we had the car fire, which was Redding, and then we had Harbuck Fire, the Bulls Fire, in um, Weed, and we've got uh, it's it, Southern Cal's got a whole bunch of fires too. All right, fires, 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 fires. Well, what happened was a rep from the Obama administration show up because California is saying, "Oh, FEMA emergency money, we need help." Uh, so it's a state emergency, state of emergency, oh. And people see the Obama administration say, so here's a check, California, there you go, help people. They didn't. They used it as a slush fund. Kind of help balance their books and juggle their financially destitute situation getting worse and worse every day. Paradise fire last year, and I've known people to get like a $25,000 check directly, directly from FEMA. So Trump shows up. And you know, somebody from FEMA shows up, actually, Trump administration. And of course, since California people, uh, the California government got used to it, they're out there holding their hands. Okay, we want our check now. We want our check. Ooh, sorry about all these people, but we want our check to. And the FEMA rep says, "Nope, we're not we're not giving the money to the state again. We are not cutting you a blind check, and you delay, delay, delay. No, that's over. FEMA is going to write checks to individuals, counties." In cities, sorry, California. Hmm, now isn't that fascinating? Hmm. Huh. So that's you know, way to go, Trump. So anyway, I just I, I don't get me started about California. We just I just, I just okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna
2: hand it back to you, Robert. Okay. Well, anyways, as many of you may know, that this is the fiftieth um uh, anniversary week of the apollo eleven uh landing okay uh, on the moon uh for those of us who uh, still believe that that actually happened, I know there's some uh people out there who don 't quite <laughs> believe that anymore but uh still going the, you know saying we do um but this is actually an article i got to, again you could find this one on the uh bard's logic newsroom at w bards logic um but this is actually uh, CNN Business, and we all know I'm not a fan at all of uh, CNN. But I did find an article that's actually dated today, uh, the 17th of July, and uh, this is something you know I wanted to uh, you discuss you know, because of you know the week it is, uh, and plus I do feel it is uh, relevant. And I'll explain that a little bit. Um, but this is uh, America is losing the space race, and you know that uh, how much that upsets me. And now, if I could get my computer to stop freezing, I'll be able to get <laughs> get to the article. I got my laptop here and my uh, and my desktop here, and both of them. Okay, it must be NSA Bob. Now it's um, both of them are being. Uh, I'm not going to say they're both freezing up. So yeah, that's nice. So I guess while they're. Uh, oh come on! This is for. Uh, Wow, literally, both of them froze up on me. That's crazy. Let's see if I can get this way. I apologize for the delay, technical difficulties, as they say. Or, again, it may be our friend NSA Bob trying to interfere with the show again. Um, Let's see. Oh, are
0: you
5: kidding me? This is ridiculous.
2: Both of them are doing this. Anyway, if there's pauses because it's – Moving really, really slow. It says, um, "We'll try to get through this one." It says, "This year's 50th anniversary of America's victory in space in the space race is a good time to reflect on what we can do when we put forth our very best." It's hard to believe that it's been half a century since I stood on the beach with my parents and siblings watching the Apollo 11 launch, only miles from Cape Canaveral. Since that first boot print on the moon, time has flown by. Maybe that's why celebrating this anniversary is so bittersweet. The success of Apollo 11 mission demonstrated to the world that the United States was the unrivaled power in space. At that time, an essential part of Cold War strategy was landing an American on the moon and returning him home safely, a feat that would become one of the boldest technological endeavors in human history. It, uh, it set the bedrock for a generation of economic growth, equipped American statescraft, and ensured global power. From Apollo onward onward, space I'm sorry, America's space capability has stood as a symbol of hope to billions around the world, and a reminder of the promise of science and advance the human race. But the thrill of launching SpaceX's spectacular and now routine Falcon rocket launches largely obscure much of the American's antiquated space industry. Without the energy, leadership, and risk-taking of private citizens like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and hundreds of entrepreneurs and investors by them, our space landscape would be almost entirely unchanged and uncompetitively globally today the space industry is largely an extension of the government itself and massively inefficient in how it allocates capital to promote commercial growth commercial growth instead of encouraging free market innovation and private investment current government policy discourages commercial type competition reinforces incumbency and opposes reforms to improve While expedient in the near term to win the technologically race of the Cold War, this narrow-minded approach has ultimately inhibited innovation, and we are now falling behind. Uh, At best, the government-funded space industry loiters, with NASA and National Security Space Program spending billions of unnecessary dollars on obsolete technologies while keeping outdated satellite architecture on life support. Over 20 years of this downward trend, has left this part, <clears throat> excuse me, have left this part of our space industry unprepared to lead or even competitive for the next 50 years. If we lose the second space race that is already underway, the consequences will be actually far worse than if we lost the first. This race is not about bragging rights or national prestige; it's about commercial, economic growth, and national security. The global entrants to this race are ushering in next-generation small satellite capabilities with enormous value to commercial and government customers, including organizations in energy, mining, manufacturing, transportation, finance, agriculture, and communications. Much like their desktop computer relatives that transformed the world economy in the 1980s, these new small satellites cost less than 1% of their decade-old counterparts, by using much faster and smaller state-of-the-off processors, similar to what we use in home electronics. Thousands of these satellites will be produced and launched in the next decade. They will fill a multi-trillion-dollar economic expansion and will eventually augment uh, or replace existing commercial and national security satellites. These critical national security missions include global positioning, telecommunications, surveillance, reconnaissance, weather, and defensive-slash-offensive space warfare. The the nations that win this race will also gain the 21st century military edge, much like the aviation leaders did in the 20th century, and take advantage of space economies nearly $3 $3 trillion expansion. These satellites are, for the most part, designed and built by non-U.S. companies, with limited interest or notice by government policy leaders. The U.S. government's 10 to 15 year development timelines are baked into an antique and largely non competitive culture. The world's best space industry that won the space race decades ago is now trapped in a death vortex of wasted dollars, a rigid Stalinist business model, and a rapidly increasing military vulnerability. Even more troubling is is that very little of this future backbone of space utility is American-owned, which, with a few notable exceptions, leaves the United States even further behind. How can we lose this race? Other countries like China and members of the EU have quickly adjusted their priorities to capitalize on the American investment of the last generation, including rockets and microelectronics, to get ahead of the next big economic turn. Additionally, according to the report by the Department of Defense, Defense Innovative Unit, China is aggressively supporting a rapid expansion of its space industry by investing directly into next-generation small satellites and space data companies to replace old satellites and gain military superiority. Even more troubling, China has quickly leveraged U.S. innovation through alleged technology transfers that clone our most promising ventures and allegedly stealing American intellectual property outright. By selling these technologies at a price point that is 80% less on the world market, the Chinese will will be positioned to squash American companies' ability to complete globally. Our government's passive hands-off approach to the burgeoning industry leads most of america's innovative and maverick-led companies inspired by spacex success to face a hobson choice either accept foreign investment and jeopardize potential future business or shut down their auspicious new ventures entirely with the threats of ip theft technology cloning and foreign companies hiring from our pool of world-class universities to win defense department contracts We are rapidly losing national security abilities in space. Without major shifts in government space policy to privatize current infrastructure and competitively outsource uh, to primarily US-owned companies, our current industry will slowly die out with nothing American available to replace it. Innovative and entrepreneurship are at a whole all-time high in America, but an unfortunate consequence of the aimless post-Cold War approach to space policy is stagnant space industry. To the chagrin of our forebearers, we are already losing this generation space race, not because we lack funding or en- 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 engineers are any less capable, but because of an absence of mindful leadership, <clears throat> Democrat Party, that can recognize the critical nature of global economic trends. Our nation, other nations, are stepping up, standing on our shoulders, and assuming the lead. America must face the technological change and security threats of our times and once again align government policy to win. Much like our parents' generation pivoted to embrace John, uh, President John Kennedy's speech, followed the launch of Sputnik, to win the Cold War challenge of getting to the I moon mean, first, it isn't too late to re uh, harness our spirit, restructure our policies, and re our industry to win the space race. And I've been saying this at, you know, for quite some time. Other companies, especially ones that we would consider our enemies, are doing it. And do we really want, you know, China you know, to have both the economic and military uh, hand above us? And so that's where, you know, of course we know now with the Democrats having the House. And wow, that really did my
8: life my desktop is completely frozen. That's nice. Um, sorry about that.
2: Anyway, uh, moving on to my my <laughs> my laptop. Let's try to do things. Uh, anyway, and so of course, with them carrying the purse strings and not uh, them wanting to us to give, of course, all these billions of dollars to people who aren't even citizens, uh, we could be uh, investing that money into you know the, the innovations that I just described. Um, and so I want to go uh, to you, Sally, uh, get your thoughts on that, and then you, Dr. Tolbert, and then Kelly, and then yourself, Joseph, and then, uh, you know, yeah, we got some, some more articles on uh, the politicians of the day, um, you know, AO3 plus three. But, you know, before we, we got the more discussion, I did want to bring that up because a lot of folks, especially we had our good friend who, who used to come on here, John, you know, didn't you know, really agree with, and we don't hear much of it. So I'm hoping if we, we put it out there, We'll hear more importance about it I mean we heard some about the um the space force and through my understanding it's it's still you know it's still coming but unfortunately it's 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 not i think in the prominence of uh the news so to speak or discussion uh than it should be uh let's go ahead and bring it to you, Sally. what's your thoughts
4: well I'll tell you there's there's um you got to kind of go back in time a little bit to see how we got to this uh, situation we are in now, and it's very much the one world order, globalization kind of stuff that that to me has driven so much of this. When we brought China into the World Trade Organization, all the somehow was it really truly some. Some people who thought China was all of a sudden going to become a non-communist and peaceful country, and that was all going to change how their attitude was, or did we strictly empower the enemy and give open the door? Clinton gave so much stuff to China; it was unbelievable. The mentality of well, let's let's help the enemy, let's yeah. But, well, Bush got him into, Bush screwed up too. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What's that?
2: I said Bush screwed up too. Go ahead.
4: Oh, of course, they—they they, it's cross the board. In fact, it's the Bushes who were the the New World Order ones to begin with. Let's not forget what George H. W. Bush said, the New World Order. He's the one who first put it out there in the history of the Bush family. Has always been the globalist stuff. So, but so that was, I think, what has undermined us all along. This mentality out there that we're going to be the New World Order, the One World Government, and we're all going to be uh, the globalists. So much uh, in. Promoting the globalization And that type of thing So I I really think that's undermined us I think Trump uh, realizes that Realizes we're not in a good situation there And is trying to correct it I hope he's able to be successful in it But we've got to shut down The corruption of the games Of what the Chinese um, government Plays all the time We've got to remember when we talk about Made in China Anything to do with China It's communist China So why do we let communist China come in and create factories and bring in their employees here and their people here and all this other stuff? Why do we keep aiding the communist country? We seem to always want to aid everybody but Americans. I don't understand it. I happen to be one of those who believes charity begins at home, take care of everybody at home first. Then you try to help, but you definitely don't go out there and arm the Chinese uh, government, which is what I think we've done. And it's across the board and all these other things. We somehow think this one world order is that we can do it. It just isn't the real. It just isn't the reality. I would love to have a world of peace, but that's just not um, different cultures. And that kind of goes back to some of the other discussions earlier. It's like we have people who are fundamentally trying to change this culture. And are the American people willing to say, okay, take out in God we trust. We're not a nation under one nation under God. We're not gonna, We're not going to believe that way anymore, and we're going to totally change into this other society. If that's where we're going, then I think we all know where that truly ends up. I I hope enough people have the will to speak up, just like saying the pledge, that we actually stand for something. We don't simply surrender. Um, I did want to comment on (laughs) Florida. Florida is a mess. let there be no doubt. Florida tried to, has tried to follow in California's footsteps in many ways. And I don't want to take up too much of comments. I know want to talk about the air, um, air travel and space technology and everything. But you're absolutely right. The biggest problem, or one of the biggest problems is the total recklessness of growth management, welfare for billionaires. Ron DeSantis signed a bill that's going to help his billionaire campaign friend. Uh, build a uh, toll road across the state and develop the houses all along there he he, the guy owns a lot of land and we don't need it there we don't it's not good for the environment our water supply and resources and all that type of thing and it has nothing to do with a need it has to do with making somebody rich and somebody who's already a billionaire who already lives on billionaire row near donald trump so uh, and, and florida is a mess florida's trying to become california i guess And uh, affordable housing is one of the biggest – one of these days you want to have a topic, have a discussion on growth and and affordable housing. We could have a whole chat on that. California is also trying to poison everybody by just the fact the rats. There's a report out now about the California rats because of all the people living in the street and all that chaos that's going on there. They're poisoning their own water supply by more than just rats. It's just a terrible situation, and, again, it's totally mismanaged growth, and they come back and talk about affordable housing. That's not it. Government needs to get out of the way on that one. And let's see. My other biggie, and you, this was touched on a couple of times, diversity. It's it's We're supposed to be – there's supposed to be a sense of equality in this country, but we confuse it with diversity. So we can't hire you because you're mm-hmm. qualified. Right. We have to hire you because you look different or you do something different, whatever, and uh, that type of thing. So that was kind of going back to what um, Dr. Torbott was talking about. And then the other – and the same thing. Somehow there's a mentality out there that a homosexual soccer player woman would be the best vice president. Your qualifications for being the vice president is that you're a homosexual female soccer player, so you should be vice president. Someone's talking to this lady (laughs) about being (laughs) – is that not insane as well? I mean, we are just um, we we are in in so much trouble, so many ways. But again, kind of coming back to the space, what, what why are we selling? Once again, we sell ourselves out. Why? It's all because of people in power who are too greedy, who promote globalism, and the globalism is promoted on both sides. When you talk chamber of commerce and international business, the Republicans are right there at the table with the Democrats. There's truly no difference. Some will say the Republicans are actually worse. And that, which, when you talk globalization, you got to talk about the central bank and what's happening there. Who controls the money? Which ties back into um, what many go back into the U.S. corporation. How we're no longer we, the organic constitution doesn't truly exist anymore. This was back in 1871. When we became incorporated and, and, and endowed to everybody else on the, on the planet, and the central bank really came at that point as well, and we lost a lot of our power there, but most Americans have no clue about that even happening. It, it's a mess. How do we go and take it back? We can hope Trump comes up with a good plan, the uh, art of the deal. I don't know, but it's really – we keep selling ourselves out. When are we going to stop selling out America? And we've got to go back to a lot of what uh, Dr. Talbot was saying Is you got to get true Americans in the house. And when I say true, I don't care where you're born. It has nothing to do with, you know, where you're born, there's plenty of um, immigrants who truly appreciate what America is. Those who have fled Venezuela, who can tell you things? And I, I've uh, listened to many shows with true immigrants who say, what is America doing to their country? Don't they understand what they're doing? Are these people just stupid? Unfortunately, yes. The dumbing down of Americans through public education has been successful. So mm-hmm. the the immigrants who truly flee a true oppression and know what's going on are the ones saying, wake up, America. Would you stop doing this to yourself? Why are you trying to kill yourself? Because uh, it's suicide. And it goes back to Lincoln, death from within. We'll destroy ourselves, that we won't be destroyed from outside. We will do it, and we're doing it by being this passive, saying, okay, everybody comes here. Everybody can do what they want. We'll give you anything. Don't worry about us while they blow off your head. It's, it's really just as it's, it's crazy as that sounds, that's really what it is. And those who are silly enough to think it can't happen here apparently don't remember nine eleven. And don't remember mm. the words of Omar, who is out there saying you know, she supports ISIS. Was it uh, – oh, Trump has been repeating it a lot lately about like, al-Qaeda makes her proud. This is a person mm. in our Congress making decisions, public policy decisions, and right. she claims to love all Americans. Didn't, didn't she say, Wasn't that what she said on her, her press thing the other day? We, we love all Americans. We're doing this because we care about Americans. That isn't what she said, Whatever. al-Qaeda and Americans crazy so that's um kind of a wrap up there i'm any uh few something specific <laughs> i can talk about a lot of subjects but i want to you know give others the chance to speak as well um i guess yeah. the only one thing i do want to mention when it comes to omar she talks about the care and all that other stuff but so, i don't remember if it was last week or somewhere along the way someone was talking about walk the walks. and just for anybody who doesn't know me uh, beware. I definitely do walk the walk. I don't do talk the talk. I do walk the walk. I, I've been out there fighting. We defeated some things here in Orange County in the past year and a half. I go to the meetings. I contact the people. I get the information out. I can't do it alone, but I definitely do go out there. And I did actually run for public office at one point, and I saw how totally corrupt the election was here in Orange County, Florida. And then Not I also bad. said, thank God Thank God I didn't get elected. And as I was out there actually running for office, uh, it was funny how many people would say, "You're too honest to be elected. We can't. You're too honest." <laughs> isn't that isn't there something sick when you actually get accused of being too yeah. honest to be in public office? <laughs> so yeah, get involved. Don't don't uh, people who just talk on the sidelines. I get tired of those people too. There's plenty of them. They will do plenty of um, yapping and stuff, but ask them when was the last time they went to a city council meeting or a county commission meeting or whatever, you know, different things. When was the last time you contacted your senators? They don't, they don't do anything, anything like that. But they complain. But uh, in my own case, I do. When um, uh, Doctor Tolbert knows that, a I sent something to you in reference to guardianship. I know we won't have time to talk about that tonight, but when mm-hmm. you talk about Florida being a mess. Florida is supposed to be this wonderful place for seniors. Beware, seniors! If you come here, if you, you better do everything you can to not allow yourself to become a ward of the state, because once they assign a court-appointed guardian of any sort, you have signed your death ticket, your own death uh, tif- t- ticket, because they will—they um, can do what they want. There's—I sent you some info. If you want to do a show on it, let me know. Where people these guardians go out and write the. Uh, do not resuscitate orders for people against their will and have these mm. people killed. And I know of one, the one case personally that I saw firsthand, and Dr. Tolbert saw it as well, with the elderly lady by the name of Miriam Lancaster. So Florida is sick in many ways. Don't come to Florida to, to retire. Stay away. Florida isn't a big enough mess. Stay away. You don't have to come here. <laughs> big enough mess. The only thing Florida's got is going forward as far as I'm concerned is no state income tax. Outside of that, the rest of it's garbage.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I just visited mm-hmm. my brother down in, in, in Tampa not that long ago. But <laughs> let's get speaking of Dr. Tolbert. Let's go and bring it back to you, sir, and then um, we'll, we'll uh, bring it to you, Kelly, and then also then to um, uh, you, Joseph, and then we'll uh, probably got another you uh, know article for you. But I do see it's about quarter till the hour, so in the next fifteen minutes, don't let uh, let your uh, phone. Uh, die off on you or else you won't be able to, to give us a call in. So, again, it's dear uh, to Dr. Tolbert, then Kelly, and then Joseph, and then, uh, you know, I've got uh, another one article here. Uh, it's uh, Jewish groups condemn Rashida Talib over ties to radical pro-Hezbollah anti-Israel activists. Um, now, this is way earlier this year, uh, but so, we you know, we're kind of bringing it back a little old news here, but just kind of a reminder of what type of people, uh, you know, this uh, – Squad plus three or AOC plus three Of the squad uh, really are Uh, Go ahead Dr. Colbert
3: The first I want to bring up is I received An email from the uh, First Amendment Foundation They're seeking a new President for the foundation This fall and they're requesting Individuals to send Their resume with a one Page briefing to their 501c3 with a starting Salary of $100,000 Uh, They've been around since 1984, uh, supporting the First Amendment. I think it's important that listeners go back and look at them. And uh, if there's a qualified person that feels that they can expand someone who has been around and working on the First Amendment. I've sent them a lot of information today uh, in order to expand their own knowledge. So I'm going to leave that one there. Secondly, we wrote in 2012, Bring Jobs Home to America. And we brought up the issue under everything that's being said under CallToDuty.org. And we presented it to the president before he did the tariff articles and other articles. And we actually wrote and showed how, if a product was made in America, how the expansion of that product would cost a 10% to 15% more than a product made in China. However, the product in China would be good one year or less, and the products made in America would last or outlast the other products. We also got into the fact that the Walmarts, uh, 90% of all the money you spend at Walmarts actually goes back to China. So everybody has to relook at What does it mean, made in America? And we get back into the basic foundation. It's called education, production, and defense. And these are the three key words that I use in all my articles. Without education, you do not have production. Without production, you do not have defense. So the United States is finally becoming more productive. We have a bigger defense program, but we're having a real problem with our education, that the private uh, uh, educational colleges are ripping off the federal government and other groups of individuals. And we have to get back to what we call the -the on-the-job training, where you would learn to fail in order to learn to learn. And everybody thinks that learning is actually out of a textbook or out of uh, uh, the uh, video or computers, and it is not. It's an on-hand project. Everything you do to learn means that you discovered penicillin because you made a bad decision, and from that bad decision, you healed many people. So you have to understand failure is a good thing. Failing to get someplace or do something means you learn how to do it properly. Bringing jobs home and made in America is the key turnaround point Where the world order doesn't want this to happen If they can take all of our assets and resources And send them to other countries And produce it at a lower number We're going to get a lesser quality We're going to have higher unemployment We're going to do away with the middle class We're going to have a 1-2% to high class And the majority will be under a democracy Which means that it will be under communism and socialism So we have to get the president back on board. And I'm going to stick to this comment with everybody tonight. Made in America means you are the ones to change the way America is ran. You have to look at the product you're buying. Don't buy it if it doesn't say made in the United States. Guess what? That means Ford Chevys are not made in the United States, but now Honda, Hyundai and Toyota is. It's really strange, isn't it, Robert?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'd say. Yeah, it's, it's 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 you know things have gotten backwards, you know. And again, you know, uh, bringing up about the, um, you know, the space race. I mean, with these, with we we need to do something uh, with that. I, I, it's got to get back in the news. I mean, uh, you would th- you would think with this, and it's kind of sad for me because you know, with it being the 50th year anniversary, you think you'd hear more, but un- unfortunately, I haven't. And you you can't get more made in the USA, you know, by having us produce, um, you know, the different, you know, investments, to have investments in the different rockets and, and engines and, and things of that nature that's going to make us do a moon, uh, you, know, you know, get to the moon uh, and maybe even do a colony. I've got uh, some audio clips I, I'm going to try to play uh, uh, in a little bit before moving on to any more articles. But, I you know, I, I know a lot of people don't talk, but they think oh, it's, that's something uh, – you know, we can, we can focus, we can concentrate on, but the the fact of the matter is is if we don't I mean this isn't something that's just like, oh well yeah, it'd be nice if we could do it. I mean we I mean it's for our own national security and uh you know financial and economic well being uh to do it because the, you know if these other countries, you know, are able to uh be the the space hegemon as I call it, then yeah, that's just gonna be at the that's gonna be at the detriment of the United States. I don't think people take uh, that is seriously as, as I think they should. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Kelly, and then Joseph, and then I think I'm going to play a couple of those audio uh, clips, and then uh, we'll move forward again. Um, it's only about eight minutes to the top of the hour, so don't let the phone drop off. Um, and also, if you uh, came in uh, to the link tonight, uh, definitely would appreciate if you, share, you know, take the time uh, to share it on either Facebook or email out to folks, things of that nature, uh, you know, or Twitter, you know, think like of that, uh, that. If you don't have the link, you can always go to uh, uh, Bart's Logic, uh, find it that way. You could also uh, come here to Blog Talk Radio uh, and then search for Bart's Logic, and, and you could be able to get the, the link there if you don't have it already. I know I've sent some emails out to you guys um, <laughs> you know, to do that with the link. But let's go ahead and bring it over to you, uh, Kelly. Go ahead. Thanks.
5: Well, hey, yeah. So you we do have a Skype Car, we'll bring
2: you in as well. Go ahead.
5: So you uh, mentioned the anniversary of going to the moon, and uh, was it fiftieth? Is that right? And fiftieth, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so uh, do you know who the first person was on the moon? The first person.
2: Okay, I, 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 I don't know the, whether that, you're. To, if, see, here's the thing. I don't know if you're joking or if you if you're doing serious because I don't. Sometimes you surprise us, Kelly. Go ahead.
5: Well, I'll just tell you the truth. Okay. Of course, the first foot on the moon supposedly was Neil Armstrong, but actually it was – I believe it was CBS that was covering Neil Armstrong walking down the ladder and putting his foot on the moon. I mean the reporters have got to get the scoop, so I think it was a reporter from CBS. (laughs) (laughs) All right,
2: (laughs) Kelly. All right. I'm going to be back. Go ahead, Kelly. I'm going to be back. I'm going to be in the green room here for a minute.
5: Uh, So if uh, you're out there
2: and uh, it gets quiet all of a sudden, it's just because I'm I'm getting you in the green room uh, to get your name. Go ahead, Collie. All
5: right. So, you know, the the most happy uh, between men and women that we went to the moon put a man on the moon was the women because they're like, hey, we can put one man on the moon. Why don't we put them all? (laughs) So anyway, there's quite the controversy. Do we go to the moon? Do we not? Do we go to the moon? You know, you can watch stuff and get all wrapped up and waste your time. But uh, there's some uh, CGI people that Based on the shadows, they did an enormous amount of work, and they're con- uh, looking at to try to end this controversy, um, or as the Burgess would say, controversy. All right. So they did this graphics 3D thing, everything modeled, and everything. Like, it's like, yeah, it looks like we went to the moon based on the shadows and everything, and all that kind of stuff. Of course, some people still say we didn't go to the moon, or based on that, that it just kind of like <laughs> it's mind blowing. And some of these people, uh, their logic is kind of like some on the left. Um, we did not go to the moon, and therefore the Earth is flat.
0: <laughs> I'm not kidding.
5: The Earth, the flat Earthers. I'm sure you just Google flat Earthers. It's funny. Some of the stuff's pretty. It looks convincing. If you've never had a physics class, anyway. So they, they actually say this: Look, we didn't go to the moon, and therefore the Earth is flat. What? <laughs> so maybe uh, I, you know, it's just an example of the weird things people believe. You know, like socialism. Um, I mean. Okay. Yeah, it worked in uh, Russia when they murdered like 30 million people. After that, there was plenty of food, housing, and clothing to go around. <laughs> so I, I'm just okay. Um, Robert, if you're there, go ahead and just turn it over to somebody else because I'm just I'm just amused. At, uh, <laughs> okay. Well, that brings it over to you,
2: Joseph. And then we got John in the lineup. Then I got a uh, a couple of uh, audio clips I want to uh, play. Go ahead, uh, Joseph.
7: Yes. Yeah, so. Um... Technology and um, uh, it it's a shame that uh, you know the NASA program is uh, no longer what it used to be. It's, it's I, I don't think it's controlled by the government or anymore run by the government. Um, I think it's funded by the private sector, if I'm correct. Um, but uh, there's uh, over the past Ten years, there hasn't been many progress in uh, space technology uh, or any yeah, prospects. of. Uh... Yeah, it's kind of been dead. It, it was a big American thing. You know, the Russians technically were the first to pioneer, um, you know, going into space by sending the uh, uh, chimpanzee into space. Uh, but, um, you know, Neil Armstrong technically is the first American to uh, touch the moon or land on the moon. And um, you know they made a lot of progress over the years with the Hubble Telescope and uh, sending astronauts up there to space stations and things like that. But um, maybe NASA is better. Um, maybe they'll be able to advance more, being that now they're controlled by the uh, private sector. Um, but uh, I don't I don't see any other countries that I know of that are really pioneering any advanced technology or endeavors in the in the space industry, so um, I don't know. That's just kind of been left in limbo for quite a while. So maybe in my lifetime, I don't know. Uh, maybe in my lifetime, a human being will actually be able to touch the uh, the soil of Mars. So um, uh, that's all I have to say on that. And uh, about what Sally said, I want to echo the sentiment. I completely agree. Um, you know, help. Should always come at home first, and it's not to sound mean, but for hundreds of years, as a sovereign country, 243 years, we've always been one of the most generous countries out there to, uh, you know, offer our assistance to other countries that were in need, and uh, you know, um, allow uh, legal immigration into this country. But we've reached uh, a precipice where uh, we have uh, uh, $23 trillion. We're in debt. Um, We have uh, a lot of uh, Americans at home that uh, are working two to three jobs to put food on the table. You have our veterans that came home from different wars, and a lot of them wound up in the streets or dead. Uh, Veterans haven't been properly been taken care of. And what's so crazy is the left is actually espousing and touting that if we somehow don't grant illegal aliens um, certain rights, uh, such as uh, health insurance and education and driver licenses. I know my state of New York, the state senate just overwhelmingly passed legislation authorizing illegal aliens to have driver licenses now. Uh, and so When Americans who are in dire needs, when they need help, uh, they're in the back of the line now. Now, now, now how is that America, you know, home of the brave, land of the free? The irony of it is if an American hypothetically were to go to another country and request asylum or request uh, assistance, uh, that country would probably deport us quicker than we could say Obamacare. Uh, And that is a hard truth. So the preposterous argument that the left has is that we are not a compassionate nation if we don't continue to take the food out of the mouth of American citizens or the legal immigrants who came here, waited their turn, did it by the book, and hand over trillions of dollars of money to fund entitlements for illegals. Well, you know we've reached a sad day in our country if um, you have a big uh, major political party that is now espousing that. So it's help comes at home first. should always be. It should always be that way. And then if we have leftover, of course, we're going to continue to be uh, the free leader of the world and the humanitarian nation that we've always been. But, uh, you know, um, I'm just tired of uh, hardworking, low-class Americans who are suffering in, in dire straits. And when they're going to their government for help, there isn't any help. And instead, illegals, they get more preference than mm-hmm. uh, American citizens. And that's, that's just right. something fundamentally wrong. And what I say to... My fellow uh, socialists uh, who uh, embrace this is, you know, why don't you uh, practice what you preach? Why don't you try crossing the border into France or Switzerland or Russia or China? Or, well, I don't think they'd want to go to Russia or China, but you get what I mean. Or you know, right? Why, why Cuba. Try hey, let me go to Cuba. Or even Cuba. Yeah, try crossing their border. And on top of Venezuela. crossing it illegally. Venezuela, which is a completeness. Exactly. And, and then on top of that, try saying, oh, I'm entitled to uh, housing. I'm entitled to health insurance. I'm entitled to food programs. And they'll say, no, you're entitled to being put in cups, You violated our sovereignty. You illegally crossed our borders. And we're putting you on a plane or on a train on a boat back where you came from. Or in their prison. (laughs) Hard labor. Exactly. And I'll just leave you with one more thing that really infuriates me is the audacity for the left or Alexandria Cortez to have the temerity to state that the detention centers are the equivalent of what the Holocaust camps were. Right she should be ashamed of herself, and let me tell you something: The Democratic Party for a long time has had a stronghold on Jewish voters and Jewish donors who has generously donated to the Democratic Party. They have completely lost that crucial voting block that they 've held for hundreds of years. They lost it, especially when you have um that congressional uh, Muslim lady in Minnesota, I forget her name, Omar.
2: Um,
8: oh, oh, oh yeah, Omar. Um,
2: yeah, Ilhan Omar.
7: Exactly. Is that her? Um, it's, yes, especially uh, congressional candidates such as herself who want the demise of the Jewish people and of Israel, uh, the left just made one of the biggest mistakes they just alienated one of their key voting blocks that they've relied on for a long time. And one thing about the Israelites and the Jewish people is they always are and always have been generous donors to the Democratic Party. They've lost that. Uh, I've spoken to a lot of Jewish friends of mine, being that I come from New York, and we have a lot of um, Jewish people that live there who say, I never thought I would see the day where I would say, that the Democratic Party has disgusted me and has disgraced my nationality, and I can no longer give a dime more to this party. And it is a sad day for Israel because we are the only and have always been the one true democracy in the Middle East. And to have representatives like Omar to stand up there and um, you know, spread anti-Semitic views while she is a United States representative of our Congress, it is a travesty, and believe me, they're too delirious to realize it now, but in 2020, when they're counting on those big-time donors and that voting block, well, they're going to go whistle-dixie, because let me tell you something, any, almost any Jewish Democratic voter or supporter who used to be, they're going to flip completely red. Because this is an all-time low for the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party has always supported uh, the, the, the Jewish voting bloc and, and Israel. Um, and this is the first time in the history of the party that they're completely pivoting away from that. Uh, and they don't realize what a big uh, detrimental disadvantage you're going to be at by losing that voting bloc in core constituencies.
2: Oh yeah, and uh, um, you no, know, no, I I agree wholeheartedly. Not only that, and uh, thank you, Dr. Tolbert. His, his call dropped, so we want to thank him for coming in. But um, oh yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And also, uh, and I said this, <clears throat> you know, I was going back and forth. With somebody on, excuse me, on Facebook was like, look, if the uh, that the Democrats and liberals keep yelling racist, 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 you know, and the more they scream that, I think a lot of you know, uh, white people are gonna be like, look, they're gonna look around and be like. What what are they talking about? I mean, it's, I mean, I think at times they're going to just you know point to everybody. I, I did see an article in Pasture or something where, basically, it comes from that not if for one now t- first Trump's a racist and anyone who supports Trump is a racist. And then I could see it moving to where well, anybody who's white, you know, is a ra- or, or you know or, or conservative is a racist. You know, basically, you know, you're going to get a lot of white folks who maybe even be Democrats and say, no, enough enough of this. Enough of this pandering to illegals and, and 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 trying to make out that just because you're white and you you have white privilege and you're um you know you're 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 a racist. And I think a lot of them just are like you know we're just going to vote for for Trump because it's ridiculous. Cause, cause, I mean every one of them. Remember every one of those I believe every one of those Democrat uh, candidates when they were asked whether they would vote or support reparations, they did. And if they take it even a step farther. AOC, she wasn't even just talking about reparations for you know for blacks. Anybody who was of any color, whether it was you know Hispanic, black, you know Cuban, you know she named a couple others. She believes they should get reparations too. So basically, if you're any almost anybody but non-white, then you should get reparations. You know, and so I, I want. I mean, I'm not this. I mean, I know this might sound racist, but it's like if you're. A, <laughs> With the whole reparation thing, if you're a white person, why would you vote for a Democrat? You're voting against your own your own interests because they want to take money from you and give it to somebody else just because your skin color is different. I mean that's preposterous. But let's go ahead and get uh, John's take on this, and it's great to hear back from you, John. Thank you
8: very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing fine. Rob, thanks again for giving me time on your show. Um, can we take a minute for a funny joke? Go ahead. And then I'll get into talking about some stuff you guys have been talking about. Sure.
2: Well, yeah, cause we are we are officially in Bard's Logic After
8: Dark now, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, but, um, there's this guy, man. He was just really head over heels, uh, you know, enthusiastic about his hometown high school football team. And he would showed up at every game, and he was like before the game when they're doing warm-ups, he's out tossing the ball with the players and stuff and you know they only had two quarterbacks but um they were winning and this guy would show up at all these games and just he'd like sit behind the the bench right in the you know stands there at the front of the stands to encourage him and inspire him and motivate him and here they go through the playoffs and they go through the uh playoffs winning and they get to the championship game and man he's all fired up and trying to keep the team focused and stuff and he's sitting on the front stadium seat there and talking to him well the first half is going pretty good and their team was winning like by seven points or whatnot and the, the other team just mowed over the quarterback and like I said they only had two quarterbacks but their, fir- their first quarterback man broke his arm took him out on a stretcher and then the, you know, halftime came, the guy got out there and threw the ball around with the guys again and tried to motivate them and encourage them and inspire them to go on the win. Hey, look, this is the championship. You guys have come a long way and stuff. And halftime, get into the third quarter, and bam, the, this other team just knocked out the second quarter, broke the uh, second uh, quarterback broke his leg. He was taken out on a stretcher, and the coach is looking around, kind of frantic and wondering, "Man, what am I going to do?" And he runs right up to this guy and he says, "Hey, you know, can you pass a football?" And the guy looks at the coach. He said, "Coach, I'm not sure I can even swallow one."
2: No. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I, anyway, gotcha. I know what
8: that is. I thought it was kind of funny. I didn't know if you would think it's funny or not, but I wanted to share that with it with everybody. Funny. But uh, as far as all these issues, man, there's a ton of them. You guys always bring up great topics and points. I'm going to touch on a few different things that Joseph hit a lot of things that I tend to feel my, in my own heart and see in my own myopic. Uh, perspective of experience and observation and then uh, what sally was saying and dr tobert in the sense of dr tobert was bringing up about how these car dealerships and whatnot were you know not american and now certain foreign named auto manufacturing companies are are now in america my thing is about when trump says hire american buy american I'm like saying, make sure they're owned by Americans too, because a lot of these foreigners are coming in, like the, was mentioned. They set up a business and stuff. Well, yeah, they might hire Americans and then get people to buy American, but all the profits leaving America going to these foreign multinational corporations. And so. You know, within reason, they're still siphoning the money and, and the gains or the resources of America. And look what our government did turning over the next 20 some odd years. China has a lock on the number of our ports of entry. Well, gee whiz. And then what Sally was saying with the H. Form 2B visas and work visas with uh, Walt Disney and Sony and these different places that bring their own people in with these visa programs and displace Americans. Well, all this adds up to the Federal Reserve banking cartel, you know, those money master groups that like to bribe and manipulate our Congress are using these opportunities as Machiavellian scams in order to continue to keep us distracted while they fleece us. And just like what... Um, Joseph was talking about the immigration thing. These immigrants are coming in here because somebody's baited them to come in here. But we have 80 to 90 million legal Americans on the public dole now. So not only are we paying for the public dole of our fellow Mm -hmm. Americans that come out of our tax dollars, but now we're also having to um, pay for the foreigners coming in because that money comes from somewhere in order for them to have – Transportation to and fro wherever the you know border guards got to take them all the food and the things that you know Joseph was mentioning and they get legal services too now they're giving you know Congress is passing more laws to spend billions more dollars to give get more um, uh, immigration lawyers in the here and give these people rights and whatnot and like Joseph said hey the Americans that are here already should be taken care of first. You know, how many homeless people do we need? I mean, we already have 80, 90 million on the public dole the taxpayers are paying for, but how many millions of Americans are living out of their car on the streets in a tent city or whatnot, and they're not getting anything. They're not getting representation. They're just bumming and stuff, and they can't get the Congress and whatnot to listen to them and say, hey, look. You know, we can't help it that the educational system has been hijacked, and then that we didn't get what we needed to understand when we were a young kid, so we grew up to be idiot adults, and now nobody wants to hire us, so, you know, we're drug addicts or whatnot in order to try to get away from having to deal with the reality of the ostracizing of our fellow Americans looking down on us like it was our fault. And so then they start stealing and stuff from people. Well, a lot of the foreigners coming into America, same type of situation. If they uh, aren't able to make it work because they don't learn English or whatever, or the multinational corporations go, hey, let's use the language as a divide-and-conquer strategy. You know, bait these people to make sure all the corporations have the means to be able to cater to Anybody for whatever different language Well what happens too In that same sense is The people that are Americans That don't speak any other language But English get displaced and now they're Out in the public goal. But they try to use that As a means to force people Into these uh, government programs Where they can do more spying You know the surveillance Tracking and monitoring Because the crooked um, money masters, the must you know the big money puppet or puppet masters. These cats have all of these different technology companies in their pocketbook as well, because they are on the board of directors of these multinational corporations, and they have all kinds of money stocks in it. And they meet with you know these Bilderberg meetings, the Davos meetings, you know the World Economic um forum mm-hmm. meetings and whatnot and then they discuss how they're going to do all this stuff and then they turn around and say, Look, you guys in Congress you got these riots and stuff that's happening in the streets our our technology companies have the answer we'll se- we'll sell you more video equipment more fingerprinting equipment face tech- uh, face recognition technology and then you can actually monitor everything and make sure everything's going you know to what you're liking but then they turn around and make money off of that so they're actually baiting the system in order to make sure there's more frustration. And that's where, like Sally was saying, and if you listen to Sally's show on Monday, you know, blogtalkradio.com, American Statesman, on Monday evenings and Tuesdays. But she she brings up how a lot of these um, congressmen and senators are doing these um, public-private partnership agreements for toll roads and stuff with these Mm -hmm. foreign entities and whatnot. And that's another means of just sending more money and resources of America to foreigners. And then the, the puppet masters continue to bribe the congressmen and senators and saying, hey, look, you know, like, have you ever heard of InfraGuard? Look up Infraguard. The CIA, the FBI... NSA has 78 fusion centers across America where they are doing contracts with private companies in order to help collect data on you and me. Google is part of that. AT&T, Verizon, um, uh, Facebook, and now Facebook is trying to introduce this crypto- cryptocurrency. And a lot of these politicians when they're on the floor and you're watching them on c-span and stuff that's just a kabuki theater they're just saying stuff to manipulate you it's just like the kavanaugh and the gorsuch nominations you know theatrics and whatnot they're just trying to manipulate people's psychology to allow the rule of law to be totally just you know screwed over so that way you can just create any kind of um accusation about somebody that's not in their circle of influence and you get uh, run through the coals and trump he was in their circles and he knows how their system works but they're all ganging up on him now and trying to manipulate and control him but he knows enough and has enough people that he's being able to keep in touch with to help him keep his strength and solidarity of what he's doing but don't let us get scammed by the trick either because Trump has to say certain things in office that he, so that way he keeps them at bay. He doesn't want to end up like John F. Kennedy, and they know that he knows a lot of stuff, and they know because his situation, remember, he went really bad in debt building his com- companies. He might be worth billions of dollars. But he, owe, he owes billions of dollars too. So within reason, he's got some leverage. They don't want him to die for certain reasons. But then other, also other reasons is because they want to continue to use him to manipulate the system more and more. And so it's a divide-and-conquer strategy. And so when you think about corporations and all of the different Players that's playing I'm always going to come back to the same thing We have to abolish All personal income taxes And property taxes And then Get a line item veto For every legal United States Citizen because the power Is in your ability to self-govern And to be an actual free person When the people who get elected Into office go into office And they're able to burden and encumber you Against your will Without your consent, you're not self-governing, nor are you free. They've just nullified you as a self-governing free citizen, and they've rendered themselves as the master and us the slave. So in order to try to change that from where we're at right now and try to stop some of this stuff, we have to say no more taxes because remember up to Federal Reserve, 1913, we didn't have any of this kind of nonsense to deal with. The 16th Amendment was not ratified until then, and then then the taxes and stuff came in and stuff. So we, we had a different system before the Federal Reserve and the 16th Amendment came in to be where there weren't property taxes and whatnot. Now they're using the government as a weapon. To manipulate and steal from us, and to box you in a corner, so that way you are always on the need, and they always have an answer. And their answer is to join this program. And when you join that program, you use your social security number, and you have to you know sign up and whatnot. Now they can track you everywhere you go. And with the cars that's coming out, they're going to they've got black boxes in them with GP, uh, uh, GPS and all that stuff. So and a remote kill switch. Remember OnStar. That stuff's just been taken to a whole nother level. So there were, if we get Dragonfly in America, just like in China, because remember, Dragonfly is a Google product that is a social um, scoring program that says that if you don't behave in certain ways, then you lose your score, your credit goes down or whatnot, and now you're going to lose certain privileges. And that means that if they want to remotely kill your – car, you know, as far as turn it off and not allow you to drive it, and you have to, whatever. Or you're reading the wrong books, and they don't want you to read them, and they want to delete them off of your system or whatever. Anyway, there's a whole lot of other things that goes into that. But this is all a manipulation. And it's just one money grab after other. And as much as I love what you're saying about Space Force and NASA, remember I told you I'm not against NASA and the Space Force. I'm against the way they're using the government to steal money from us in order to fund all this stuff. And that's where the problem lies, because I agree with you. We do need to make sure that we have security. But this national security, like I said before, is only them using all of us and our money that they steal from us called tax dollars extort. You know, and uh, and exploit us and, you know, duress and coercion. I mean, they're all illegal embezzlement. You can go through a whole list of things, you know, fraud on the inducement from the get-go, extrinsic fraud, denying you your due process, denying you your equal protection of the law, it's all, and then I can go into details. That's how I know this stuff is legit. I don't always get to go into details because there's so much involved and it gets sounding rambly when I'm talking on these shows. But the once we stop the money flow to them and say, hey, no more property taxes, no more personal income taxes, and every legal United States citizen has line item veto, then you get to use your pen. To strike out as many lines as you want to, one at a time or, you know, as far as you want to, to make sure that your pursuit of happiness has the right to flourish. Because right now, they are creating the rules, laws, processes, and procedures to give themselves a high-speed fast lane, and you get hurdles, multi-level hurdles that infringe, uh, limit, deny, and abridge your right to a pursuit of happiness. Anyway... I'll just leave it to there for now. These corporations are continuing to manipulate this data flow and stuff with our government, using garden and these fusion centers across America in order to know everything about everybody. So if they want to blackmail you or they want to control you or they know how to do it, and they are the ones that's deciding what the values, morals, ethics, and principles are through our laws. So they are establishing a religion. It happens to be Luciferian, sectarian-type religion. And They're denying you and I our right to have our values, morals, ethics, and principles included, ratified, enacted, and codified into law. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. You guys have a great evening, and I'll just uh, mute my phone and listen and jump back in if we and when I get a chance thank you so much
2: well thank you John and you know Tim is about on the hour or so I just got this um this other other article just as kind of a reminder to folks uh out there on, on who these people are um this is another article on uh Ilhan Omar it's a it's a real short one and then I'll, I'll have those audio I want to play um but anyway it's uh uh, the title of that is, Minnesota Democratic Representative Omar wrote Judge requesting Lenient Sentence for ISIS Recruit. And this was back uh, in January of this year, so real early. <laughs> it says, Washington, D.C., uh, Minnesota's newest congresswoman, Democrat Ilan Omar, continues to draw criticism in her first few weeks of office. Uh, Omar, who has been under fire for not backing down from anti-Israel rhetoric and who accused the Covington Catholic high school teens – on Twitter, of taunting five black men before they surrounded Phillips and led racist chants. She has since deleted the Fox accusation. And then accused President Trump of backing a coup in Venezuela and installing a far-right opposition opposed to socialist dictator Maduro. Uh, Maduro. Is now getting heat for a letter that she wrote to a judge in 2016 defending a Minnesota man caught trying to join the terrorist organization ISIS. Uh, Omar wrote on behalf of um, Abderham Yassin Daoud, uh, who was one of two young men arrested in San Diego in April 19, or 2015, Daoud was one of nine people arrested for trying to join ISIS. He was caught trying to purchase fake passports to travel to Syria. She wrote to the judge, "Incarcerating 20-year-old men for 30 to 40 years is essentially a life sentence. Society will have no expectation of the uh, to be 50 or 60-year-old released prisoners. It will view them with distrust and revulsion. Such punitive measures not only lack efficacy." They inevitably create an environment in which extremism can flourish, aligning with the presupposition of terrorist terrorist recruitment. And it says prosecutors gave uh, uh, – prosecutors asked for a 30-year sentence. Uh, Dayud was found guilty of conspiring to provide material support to a terrorist organization and conspiring to commit uh, murder overseas. He was sentenced to 30 years in prison. So basically, here you go, uh, members member's ISIS, and she's trying to get them less time. But anyway, um, in the interest of time, uh, I do got a couple uh, clips. will take up a, a good portion of what the, uh, you know, the rest of the show. But then we'll have our uh, – we'll play these, and we'll get our closing comments from tonight uh, to those we still have left online. I will keep the mics open, so if there's any background noise during the audio uh, – Uh, Playing, then I would just ask that you just be true in mics on that. Uh, But let's go ahead and uh, play this first clip.
9: Yet, recent studies of these rocks suggest they contain something so important it could dwarf even their black market value. Since the 1970s, scientists from across Europe have been beating a track to the Oxfordshire village of Cullum. Here, they are pursuing a new form of power that could transform life on Earth. It's called nuclear fusion, an attempt to reproduce on Earth the reaction that fuels the sun.
6: The experiments going on behind me are in a machine called Jet which is about the size of a house. But it only has a hundredth of a gram of fuel in it at any one time. If you turn that into a power station it would need about a kilogram of fuel during a day compared to a fossil fuel station which would need about 10,000 tonnes of fuel to produce the same energy. The
9: reaction is fueled by hydrogen, the commonest element on Earth. It's based on the principle that if instead of splitting atoms, as in conventional nuclear power, you heat them up to millions of degrees centigrade, they fuse, releasing huge amounts of energy.
6: The process requires us to reach very high temperatures. It's what powers the sun and all the stars. So if these were two hydrogen atoms, if they just move together slowly, they bounce off each other. It's only by getting them to very high temperatures they can come close enough to capture each other. Uh, Could you start the countdown please?
9: But as scientists experiment with the technology they've hit a major problem. This experimental reaction produces enough power to supply the energy needs of a small town but it also produces enormous quantities of highly destructive neutrons. If the experiment is run for longer than a few seconds, it begins to destroy the walls of the reactor.
6: 80% of the power comes out in an energetic particle called a neutron, which flies into the wall, the first wall of the reactor chamber, and striking it can damage the material So we just have to accept that we change the wall perhaps every five years, something like that.
9: It's one of the main obstacles to using fusion as a reliable long-term source of energy. But there may be an answer. Since the 1980s, jerry Kulczynski has been nursing a dream he believes there's a way of fueling a fusion reactor that is much less destructive it's based on the idea of replacing hydrogen as a fuel with a gas called helium three
10: we actually are bringing in Helium-3 through this uh, tube, which is connected to a helium-3 cylinder.
9: Helium-3 is chemically very close to hydrogen. But Kolchinsky has found that the reaction produces far fewer destructive neutrons than conventional hydrogen fusion.
10: We have very few neutrons in the system, and we think a device like this could run for the lifetime of the reactor. That is a big difference compared to trying to run one where 80% of the energy comes out as neutrons.
9: But the only helium-3 on Earth comes from decommissioned nuclear weapons and is extremely scarce.
10: Many people have known about the helium-3 reaction for many, many years. they would always end their lectures with, well, there's no helium-3 around, so therefore we don't have to uh, worry about this fuel cycle. We'll go on to something else.
9: Then, Kulczynski ran into an acquaintance. Harrison Schmidt was the only research scientist among the 12 Apollo astronauts.
1: This boulder is typical of the the granitic rocks that form the core...
9: He's a trained geologist.
1: ...probably an intrusive rock, although it's sometimes very difficult to tell. If
3: I can't crack the uh, corner and get that contact, it's obviously very uh, very cohesive and fragmental-like.
9: Schmidt came back from the moon and analyzed samples he'd collected. He found they contained significant quantities of helium-3.
1: We have significant information about the distribution of helium-3. We, of course, sampled uh, the soils at Tranquility Base where Neil Armstrong landed. We have uh, uh, indications of high titanium, which is a surrogate for uh, helium-3. And then also the polar regions have high concentrations there. Uh, So uh, we have a a pretty good uh, basic understanding right now of where it is.
9: Helium-3 is a gas ejected from the surface of the Sun and blown through space by solar winds. When it reaches the Earth, it's blocked by the atmosphere. But on the Moon, where there's nothing to block it, the gas is trapped by the lunar soil. Slowly, over billions of years, Huge deposits have built up.
1: At first blush, uh, using the most conservative figures for the amount of helium-3 that's in the uh, soils of the moon, what we call the regolith of the moon, uh, there's about a million tons. That's a lot of helium.
9: It will be enough to power the Earth for hundreds of years. It's what Kulchinsky had been looking for all along.
10: It's only within the last few decades that we've ever thought about the moon as being a large source of energy. In fact, it may be the Persian Gulf of the 21st century.
9: It seems preposterous, but Schmidt and Kuczynski have set up a company with the extraordinary idea of strip mining the moon and transporting helium-3 as a liquefied gas a quarter of a million miles back to Earth.
1: It's not a madman's dream to go to the moon and access its resources. We've been there, we know how to do it, we can estimate the cost. Uh, That's not a madman's dream.
9: Yet even if it were possible to mine the moon, not everybody believes we should be looking at it as an object to be exploited.
3: Okay, Houston, as I stand out here in the wonders of the
8: unknown, I try to realize that fundamental truth to our nature and must explore. And this
11: is
0: exploration at its greatest.
9: Here we go. Edgar Mitchell is a former test pilot who took a degree in engineering before spending nearly three days exploring the lunar surface in 1971.
12: Going to the moon for me was a powerful experience, a turning point. And the easiest way to say that is going to the moon caused me to see the bigger picture, to put things in a larger perspective, and to see Earth and our civilization as just a tiny speck in the larger scheme of things. Wish we had time to stand here and look.
9: Mitchell's experience led him to draw almost exactly the opposite conclusion to Schmidt's
12: there are those who believe that expanding outward and using the resources of the rest of our solar system are what we should do, and perhaps in due course we will have to do that. But first, we have to learn to live within our means here, to live within resources that we have, instead of just saying, well, we can consume all we want, and then we'll go to the next planet and consume all of that, and the next planet and consume all of that.
9: Mitchell believes we are still profoundly ignorant about the moon, and in our rush to exploit it, we could destroy valuable scientific information. Boy, that's
12: really tough rock. We've only just barely scratched the surface of going to the moon. I can move it, I can rock. We've only had six flights land in uh, six different locations, and only been there a few hours each time. So, it's still not much more explored than it was before we started. And until we know what the moon is really all about, the idea of trying to commercialize it is, uh, in my opinion, a misplaced idea.
9: It's not a view Schmidt has much time for.
1: Some people might say that it was immoral to benefit from the resources of the moon. I personally think it would be immoral not to have those resources available in the most timely way possible. And so uh, I think the moral question is more on the other side.
9: The voice of caution may anyway be too late. Nikolai Sebastianov is the boss of Russia's biggest rocket company, RSC Energia. The company has a long and successful history of putting men into space. Sebastianov has a reputation as a shrewd and effective businessman. His rockets regularly take crews to the International Space Station.
11: Thank goodness you are safe. Look after the station. Remember, it is the cornerstone of world man's space flight.
9: But Sebastianov wants to do more than take crews into low Earth orbit. He too has seen the potential of Lunar Helium
11: Three. Let me explain this to you in very personal terms. There's been a lot of criticism that helium three is a fantasy that it's going nowhere. Once When I came home and told my wife about all the criticism, she got out a book and showed me how people throughout history have laughed at new scientific ideas. I remember vividly how when gas was found in the Arctic Circle, skeptics said it would be far too expensive to build pipelines to bring it out.
6: But historical
11: experience has shown. That if you set people a task, it will be solved.
9: Sevastianov wants to begin industrial scale mining on the moon by 2020. That's the same time scale as the Americans. It could get very crowded, but the rewards might be enormous.
10: If we had gold bricks stacked up on the surface of the moon, we couldn't afford to bring them back. This material at several billion dollars a ton is what makes it all worthwhile. There is nothing that we know of in the solar system that is worthwhile going out to get to bring back to the earth other than helium-3.
9: Helium-3 could become the new fuel of the 21st century. a source of fusion power that could provide an almost inexhaustible supply of clean, pollution-free energy.
1: A metric ton of helium-3 would supply about uh, one-sixth of the energy needs today of the British Isles. Uh, It would supply 10 million people in a large modern city for a year. It would, over the long haul, replace, uh, for electrical power production, not only fossil fuels, but would replace nuclear power uh, as we now understand it, fission power. So there are really very few disadvantages other than it's tough to do.
9: If these men are right, whoever controls the moon might just control the world's energy supplies for hundreds of years to come. Yet the obstacles are formidable. Even when we've cracked fusion technology, we're looking at an energy source that requires mankind to live and work in the most dangerous and unknown environment we've ever encountered.
2: And that last point they made about whoever controls the you know the moon controls the you know energy for the next couple hundred years, I truly believe that that's the case. That's why I think it's so important. And, then, and lastly, just one quick uh, audio clip uh, that I have uh, that I want to play. That also you know, is important with the you know the space race as well. And uh, this is uh, from Newt Gingrich. It's only about a minute
13: long. Congressman Newt Gingrich, the Republican co-chairman of the Congressional Space Caucus. The United States is at a crossroads in both its prosperity and its very survival. And the high frontier gives us a chance to leapfrog past the huge Russian army to regain our national security through developments in space. The space shuttle gives us an opportunity to develop through the high frontier program answers to the Russian challenge that would put us a decade ahead of the Russians, in dominating the high frontier of space. You know, he who controlled the air controlled World War II. The Japanese early on in the Pacific with their carriers, the Americans later on. The Germans early on in the Blitzkrieg with their Stuka dive bombers, the Americans later on. In the future, he who controls space may well control the future of mankind. Please write to us at this address.
2: And again, it, so it is about uh, – and again, I, you know, I fairly believe that too. Uh, and, uh, you've actually well said. I mean, all you got to do is look at history. But let's go ahead and uh, it's quarter to tell us we got a little bit more time than other than just the final comments. Uh, but we will bring uh, things full circle here. And the way we'll do it is uh, first we'll go to uh, Joseph, and then we'll go uh, to Sally, and then Kelly, and then John, and then Paul. Uh, Probably put some things in myself, and then we'll perhaps uh, close things out. But we, you know, we got plenty of time. We got about um, ten minutes before I have to. Well, that actually leaves people about two minutes. So actually, we, I guess, we do only have enough time for uh, people's two-minute closing comments, uh, and then we'll uh, have to close things out for tonight. But of course, everyone, uh, thank you very much for you know coming to our uh, you know second episode, Elisa uh, of, uh, of us coming back. Uh, and I really appreciate it. And again, uh, if you could share out the link, if you get uh, if you don't have it, if you're just using the call number, uh, uh, the link can be found uh, there on Facebook. If we're friends on Facebook, I had to redo my Facebook page because um, uh, I had to. Uh, I'm not going to spend the time to do the story. I just had to remake it. But I'll tell that story <laughs> sometime, and it it sucks. But anyway, so I'm kind of starting all over with that. But oh, also, of course, you can get a blog talk radio. Uh, www.blogtalkradio.com. Go to the search uh, there for Barge Logic. That will get you to the link. Or you can email me, and I could give you uh, the link there for you to to share with your your folks on your social media and your emails, things of that nature. So please, um, I really would uh, appreciate you doing that uh, for the show. Uh, Anyway, so let's go ahead and start at the top. And so that will be um, with uh, yourself, Joseph. And again, that's Sally, and then Kelly, and then you, John, and then I'll close things out. Uh, again, we've got eh, about two minutes, maybe a little less. Um, but go ahead, uh, Joseph.
7: Sure. Quick question: Did the show start an hour earlier? Because uh, I know last week it started five o'clock Hawaii time, but it's ending no. at seven o'clock.
2: No. Last week it, it ended at eight. No, no, it's still ten o'clock. Uh, ten o'clock Eastern time. Um, I don't know, You're you're six hours maybe behind on. We're five hours behind
7: five Eastern? Five hours
2: Central, yeah. It's
7: uh, 6.48 Hawaii time, but I remember last week the show ended at 8 o'clock Hawaii time.
2: Oh, that was weird. No, I I hmm. started at the same, um, time, uh, same time tonight, 10, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern.
0: Yeah, I didn't uh, know you were in an t- hour
2: later.
7: <laughs> well, which is 5 o'clock Hawaii time, right?
2: i I, I say, what time is it there now? 6.48? Okay, it is twelve forty eight. So you're about six hours behind us.
7: Okay, so I didn't realize I was six hours behind. Okay, so I have next time I have to chime in at, at four o'clock Hawaii time.
2: Yes, to be at the top of the, the show. hmm. All
7: right. Uh so I'll just leave it really quickly. Um we have the uh democratic debates coming up again and um
8: Oh we'll be discussing I'll be really that <laughs>
7: That's for sure. So um,
8: I actually
7: – let's see what happens with the debates. Let's see what more outrageous, outlandish things they'll come out with and uh, let the games begin. Um, it's uh, that time of the year, and uh, I'm sure we'll have more time to uh, go into detail and discuss that as we uh, come near 2020 and uh, election season right away. And I'll leave you with one more thing. It feels like yesterday. Uh as if yesterday was November 2016 when Trump got elected, so <laughs> everything going pretty fast. But uh, wow, time sure flies when you're having fun. And I will leave you with that. and Good night to my fellow uh, colleagues and friends on the show, and uh, I look forward to chiming in next week. But this time, I'll uh, I'll get the right time
2: uh, at the top of the show. Oh no, no, I no, appreciate it, Joseph. Uh, yeah, I mean it does. Uh, I remember I actually took I uh, was on vacation that week. Uh, uh, specifically because of the election, and I plan on doing the same thing in 2020 because whether good or ill, I have a feeling I'm going to need at least the next day off after the election. Maybe I didn't take the whole – I think I took the whole week off, um, but I know I'm at least going to take the day off because I know I'll be, I'll be up late to the evening uh, uh, that night. And, yeah, certainly one thing about, about the debates is I'll probably uh, re- uh, record and run – uh, at least I'm open to, it, the, the entire debate, so people will be able to listen to it here in the entirety, as painful as that may be. Um, <laughs> but still, uh, so that, you know, because not everybody can catch it, you know, because of work schedules and life schedules and things of that, volunteering and stuff like that. So I'll try to get, um, get it, all, you know, a full recording for the whole, probably two hours of it. And then we'll have an hour worth uh, of commentary that night and then, you know, maybe subsequent nights uh, for the debate. So that, that's kind of how the plan is. Uh, for that, but let's go ahead and uh, uh go over to um you, Sally. go ahead
4: okay, well, uh, thank you for uh having us on and having a good discussion tonight. um The thing that's to me is going to be so interesting and in some ways, this could be you know God's gift to the American people to wake us up and help uh save this country this election. Because we can already see that President Trump is gonna go out there and challenge the socialist, the Democratic Socialist Party. That's what he's gonna be calling it. <clears throat> Excuse me, and this is going to be so critical because this might be the very the first time we've really forced the American people, the true Americans who believe in this the fundamental liberty and freedom, um, to face This is what's happening to our country. Do you want to fall off into the socialist society, which is what they're pushing? I don't think that the American people have ever had it slammed in their face quite as much as they're having it right now by these um, individuals of the Democratic Party of a variety. Of course, Nancy Pelosi is totally out of her realm. She'd be crazy to run for reelection, but who knows what she'll do anyway and that type of thing. But this could be the major awakening To say, okay, America, United States of America, here you are, you're at the crossroads. Are you going to go support, continue, or promote freedom, try to get back to your constitution? Or are you going to continue on the socialist path, and Trump is going to be pushing that? One of the very biggest, biggest things that's going on uh, today. And why I think, and more so than other other elections, we weren't really teaching people about socialism as much as I think this one will do. And then the other thing I just want to remind people is, please, for every one of these, every one of your representatives, your senators, anybody out there on the campaign trail, these um, nutcases that are pushing the socialism, go out there and ask them about H.R. 1044, especially President Trump. President Trump, are you going to protect the American people? I believe he said in one of his campaign speeches. is, I'm not here for uh, – I, I am not controlled by the special interest. I'm here for the people. Well, the question is going to be are the people, the American, legal American people, are they your special interest group or are the corporations who want to bring in this cheap labor and take away our jobs? So are you going to protect us from illegal immigration but kill us with legal immigration? <laughs> Which way are you going to go? And, and what's is that – if you repeat happen? again, HR? HR
2: 1044.
4: Okay, thank you. And I sent you an email with some of the links to give you some of the guts of what this this thing is. It's all to remove the gaps of H-1B visas from foreign, corp- foreign uh, countries.
2: And, and, and do you know when they're planning on voting on that?
4: Well, it just passed the House, I think, last week. So it's over in the Senate now. So you got to really jump on the case of everybody in the Senate. And then, make, uh, more importantly, or equally important, pr- uh, tell Trump he cannot sign that. He's got to veto this thing. And then just for the heck of it, keep in mind, out of the four socialists out there, two of them voted for it and two voted against. If I can find out what made them go one way or the other, I'll share that. But I find it very interesting <laughs> that those four individuals actually were split between this vote in the, in the House.
0: Really? They still passed the
4: House, but they were, they were split, yes. My, my guess is neither, they didn't know what they were voting for anyway. And is if that, somebody, someone was good. trying to <laughs> convince them for some campaign contribution, or came up with some, spe- you know, spewing something that way, they may have gone to it. But I'd love to know why, with these four ladies, what made them decide to vote for or against it. But it's, it's a bad for oh, well. It's bad for the American workers. High tech. They're giving college, high tech jobs to cheap foreign labor, and who are they doing it mm. for? The foreign corporations. Mm globalist.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and if we have time, uh, that would—I think that'd be a good, uh, good topic uh, to spend a lot more time on next week. Again, as you point out, we, if we even have time to do that, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Okay. But definitely, uh, folks, do that. Thanks, Sally. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look at those. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, make—you know—let's make those calls, and hopefully, we have time uh, to be able to spend more time on it. Uh, so, go ahead to you, Kelly, and then John, and, 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 the say, and say the out. pledge of
4: allegiance. <laughs> And say the pledge.
2: Yeah, only. there
4: you go. We, <laughs> Thank we, we
2: you. Got, we got that. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Go ahead, Kelly.
5: Well, I liked your video about uh, alternative fuels, helium-3. I actually saw an article like many years ago about that. And by the way, he started out saying hydrogen is the most abundant element in the earth. It's not. It's actually oxygen, H2O, oceans, silicone dioxide, which is quartz. It's just a little technical error on these engineers. All right, Um, (laughs) but it's quite stunning uh, payload from what I read years ago. A payload of the space shuttle of of uh, moon dust would yield enough energy for the whole country for a year. And uh, what would be what department would uh, approve a grant? That would be good, you know, a grant maybe in this situation. Would be uh, – oh, the Department of Energy. Okay, so the Department of Energy, which has nothing done – not very much except for to help the oil guys and in the, in the petroleum industries and protected industry. Yeah, it's been kind of a joke, the Department of Energy. So Trump has some high-power engineers and PhDs and physicists, et cetera, et cetera. In those departments, we could actually pursue something that's scientifically feasible and engineering feasible and practically feasible. A grant, then we have to go to the moon again. So, um, of course, then the women would say,
13: "Hooray!
5: Put one up there. Put them all. Put all the men up there." <laughs> all right. Anyway, so it's a fascinating thing. I really, you know, please, Robert, that you sometimes bring in different elements to the show, not necessarily politically related, but yet it would be because of the.
2: Oh, and I like to do more of that. that. Actually, um, <laughs> I actually would like to do more of that about that. I'll even actually just. Thought about changing the show to just Bard's logic and just get rid of the political talk stuff, but you know what? Let's be honest, everything's political. So, <laughs> I appreciate it. Kelly. let bring it over to John. Are
5: also going to shut it oh, oh, down. Oh, one, one more, uh, one, automatically. one more comment, quick. One more sure. comment, quick. All right. A homeless shelter turned political in La We finally got a permit. It turned political, opposing us. CC to the uh, city council member. This guy is reviewing the plans, we got a line and then we gotta permit. it. It's political.
2: As you said, as we said, everything's political. Thank you, Jay Kelly. Go ahead, John.
8: Yeah, that is true. Everything is political because we all want our own you know, pursuit of happiness and everybody else wants theirs and sometimes if they can't figure out how to get it on their own, they wanna, you know, steal from you and me in order to help make theirs come true. Because they Afraid that if they ask for help, they won't get it. And you know, somewhat that is true to a certain degree because if you, like you say, look through history, you can see a lot of things. But anyway, um, definitely want to keep everybody abreast of uh, this upcoming vote. The raise the wage to 15 bucks an hour stuff is another one of those scams by the multinational corporations. They're trying to put the small business people out of business so they can get more market share. And that helps give you know, consolidate the data so they have more control. Think about it. We did not even have the sixteenth Amendment till nineteen thirteen. But in eighteen sixty three, four or five, thereabouts they had, we had the Emancipation Proclamation. So they had to bring the Federal Reserve into play in this taxes in order to have a new way to make us slaves because they had just abolished the physical slavery. Now they've made us psychological slaves so they can control you and know much about you. They bring in the tax things so that way you got to report all this stuff about you because otherwise they could put, print the money themselves with the Federal Reserve and put all this stuff they want to do. They don't need our money to do it. It's a stamp. Anyway, leave it there for now. Thanks for the show. When everybody come back next week, and we'll talk to you then.
2: And, and last point on that before I close things out is I also think it's um, a scam to try to bring in more tax revenues. Because if you're going from 8 to $10 an hour and you're going to get that 33%-plus uh, increase, you know that's going to knock you into a different tax bracket. So now they're going to be able to get more taxes out of you. But anyway, I will end with uh, tonight, uh, as I do every night. And that's the song with Aubrey Ashburn. Um, Check out the website, uh, www.aubreyashburn.com. Thank you very much, and we will see you next week, and and hopefully we'll have time to talk more about that HR uh, 1044. Uh, Good night, folks, and see you next time.
9: Good night.